squeeze it there. Broadhurst down, Bound still pumping punches into it. That's a big Oh, it is a miracle! The play continues. They could sidestep on a trip and win this line. Good one. A smack their bottoms. 40-20. It's a 40-20. It's there. Hits the crossbar. You won't see anything like that again this year. And maybe never. Digging up dead football. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. It does not get any better than that. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. It is a pleasure to have you with us. And we are uh, we're getting topical today. We're going back in time, but not that far, ladies and gentlemen. We're going back to the 22nd of November, 2008. And I hear what you're saying. Hang on, Rugby League in November, that doesn't sound right. It was the World Cup final. New Zealand 34, Australia 20 in front of 50,509, uh, well, rather bemused and confused spectators in Brisbane, uh, no matter what colours they had on, I dare say. Uh, Gazzy, I I watched this at the time. I've just watched it again now, and 14 years leaves me absolutely none the wiser as to how this happened. Absolutely incredible, Morgs. Um, it, it's one of those games where, obviously, uh, knowing a little about rugby league, I did know the result and, and what happened. And you're watching it for the first 20 minutes, and even in my head, when you look at these teams and who is playing, I think despite knowing the result, we will get out of this. <laughs> That's just us being Australia. Because you just look and you go, no, they can't lose with these players on the field, can they? Right. Like, no, they'll get out of this. And you have to really tell yourself, no, they don't get out of this. You, you know this. This ends uh, badly for them. But it, it's hard to even really look at, to, to even be watching it all these years later, you just think Australia are going to win. Yeah. I, I If I didn't have, if I watched this without commentary, um, I would have thought after 20 minutes, I would have thought, oh, hang on, I've accidentally put the group stage game on here. I've put yeah. the wrong one on. Like it just, even th- there is all this background as to why it was unlikely pre-kickoff. But, mm. even, but after 20 minutes, it's even less likely that, that, that New Zealand might win this match. And I still don't really know how it happened, but it is wonderful that they did. Uh, for, <laughs> for a bit of background, Australia had won the last six World Cups in a row. Going back to 1975, they had won nine of the 12 World Cups ever held. They'd won their last eight in a row against New Zealand. Going back, uh, the last time New Zealand had beaten them was admittedly in a final. It was the Tri-Nations final in 2005, that famous 24-0 win. But since then, Australia had beaten them every time, including 58-0 a year earlier in October 2007 and 28-12 in the group stage of this very World Cup. That uh, that scoreline... Uh, a little bit better than it looks. Australia were 22 nil in front at half time, so it had been a good long time since New Zealand had given uh, Australia any problems at all. But they came out on the day, and uh, and even even in this game they're behind. I think 16 12 at half time, and in a flurry of absolute madness in the second half, run over the top of them, win the game 34 20, and uh, and snatch the World Cup. Uh, it is. I remember it at the time thinking how wonderful it was because I, you know, like I, I, and I suspect you and I suspect a lot of people don't take any particular, don't take any joy in seeing Australia kind of trample everyone in international rugby league. I personally, I have for many years until quite recently found international games to be quite tedious. I mean, they like stick one on in the middle of the season and you kind of labor your way through it because it's on, but uh, it was a pretty uninteresting spectacle generally. And, having this game suddenly break out in the way it did was absolutely thrilling. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's that, That's right. It's not, uh, you know, I, I would find myself, I suspect, going for Australia quite hard if, the, if it evened up a lot, you know, but there's no great joy for me. It's a, it's a bit like, you know, when in the cricket, when we were at our, at our best, you still wanted them to flog England, but there wasn't, you know, you sort of half wanted New Zealand and, you know, to India and those teams to put up a bit of a fight while they're here, so you got to watch something good. And it's, it, that was what it was like in in rug, rugby league. It's, they never lost when we were growing up. Um, they never lost at all. I, I remember where I was when I read the paper when they lost that 2005 game in England, mm. and it was like a crisis. I, I was at junior cricket. It was on the back page of the Herald. Um, it had been on overnight, so I hadn't seen it. And it was like it was a crisis. The back, you know, it was like war had broken out. You know, crisis Australia beaten in rugby league. It, it never happened. And and that one, you know, five, there was a lot of guys out, like a lot of really good players out. So it kind of, it kind of got written off. It was it, it happened, but you sort of went, oh, you know, Australia had like sort of six or seven of their best players out. It was a weird looking team. It happened. It shouldn't have, and it won't happen again. So then get to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, it was just, it just rocked the foundations of what you understood about rugby league. And um Probably started one of the also one of the better um, tropes of our lifetime, which was that New Zealand were no good in mid-season tests and had to have a tournament to warm up because they, they had this run of getting us every few tournaments um, yeah. around here and and it went, but getting absolutely clobbered in that the the try nailed sorry the mid-year test used to be the ANZAC test and they weren't allowed to, the Trans Tasman I think they changed it to didn't mm. they Trans Tasman yeah, no, test right. um, it was, and it, it, yeah it became a really big thing didn't it that New Zealand need the whole tournament to warm up <laughs> yeah yeah you get them in a <laughs> the final and they can be dangerous yeah yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> and and you know this is this is peak this is peak kind of Storm Golden Trio plus Lockyer mm. um oh sorry it's Golden uh, Double in this case because it's it's before Cooper Cronk it's in the days of the Slater, Lockyer, Thurston, Smith spine. Yep. Um, this is peak kind of Melbourne are really dominant in the in the mm-hmm. premiership there over the cap. This is that they've actually they've just got flogged in the grand final, but they've been in the grand final three years in a row. This is like mm-hmm. the peak of their um really, really strong team. Queensland have just like I'm um, in the middle of their eight in a row run. Like th- th- this is mm-hmm. as good as it gets for an Australian team. Um, I'll read out the teams in a minute. You've got Inglis and Falau in the centres. Like it's it's an extraordinary, mm-hmm. it's not just Australia beating New Zealand. It's the, uh, sorry, Australia losing to New Zealand. It's this Australia losing to New Zealand. Well, yeah, I, I think that's right, and and we'll get onto that. I'll, I'll get you to do the teams in a minute. But I was going to put to you that in public consciousness, if you didn't read out the results and didn't tell the casual fan what happened and just read the team out, I think you'd find in key positions that they might consider this it, just in general to be the strongest uh, Australian side of the NRL era in key positions um, and maybe the strongest in living history being people that are young, you know, uh, young enough to debate this um, have not seen a better side than this in public opinion. Now, you know, there's uh, for certain bias reasons, I I actually probably think they have been spines. I like better, but if you just went around to the average bloke who likes rugby league in his forties or fifties or something like that, and you put all the spines to them, we've had like, you know, Johns and Fittler and Tuvi at a world cup and, you know, Johns and Freddie and, and that, and then this one and the ones that come after. I think most people would say Slater, uh, Lockyer, Thurston and Smith is the strongest spine they've, that we have put out in the NRL era and possibly since the World Cup came back in 95 um, as a proper tournament. Before that, it, was, you know, it wasn't a, a, fit, a dinky die tournament for a while. Yeah. And, and, and I think not only that, but th- there is, I think, four people who will genuinely be just come up in tight conversation to be immortals in, in Slater, 
uh, what the four I mentioned, the, the, the spine yeah. positions will all come up for immortals. And I think on top of that, you could throw in another, you could maybe say that there is six players in this team that would be thrown up as, gen- sorry, seven that would come up if you said who is the best player of their position all time or pick the best team of all time, they would come up for discussion. So to add to the four spine positions, I would say Greg Inglis would come up in fairly serious discussion for best centers ever or best Australian centers ever and stuff like that. Um, Gallon would come up whenever you talk about who who were the best middle forwards ever, you would have him in the conversation and Petro. Yeah. So, you know, whilst with all sides, there's the odd bolter and the odd guy here and there that you go, I forgot he was in the Australian team and all that. Um, That's always true. But there is a absolute core of all-time Hall of Fame rock-solid golden players in this team. Mm. Uh, it is a red-hot Australian team that has no business losing, losing to the to New Zealand side that's in front of them or anyone. To sort of anyone. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read the teams out uh, just to give people an idea of what we're talking about here. The Australian team, uh, the defeated Australian team is as follows. Uh, fullback Billy Slater on the wings, John Monaghan and David Wolfman Williams. It's such a point in time. It's a classic like post grand final selection, isn't it? Uh, the Wolfman. <laughs> I was going to say there is always there is any Australian team you ever go to, um, apart from the Tim Sheens era when there was like twenty of them. Every yeah. other era, the glory of end of season tests is there is always two ones that just don't stand the pub test. <laughs> like there's always someone who just happened to be playing well in the finals. Yeah. Um, and, and that's an absolute corker. <laughs> yeah, it is good. <laughs> David Williams on the wing. Uh, the set is Greg Inglis and Israel Folau. Bit of firepower there. The halves, Lockyer, who's also captain, and Jonathan Thurston. The front row, Brent Kite and Petro Sivanaseva. The hooker, Cameron Smith. The back row, Anthony LaFranchi, Glenn Stewart and Paul Gallon. The bench, Carmichael Hunt, Anthony Tupo, Craig Fitzgibbon and Anthony Watmo. Uh, and the coach, Ricky Stewart. That would have to be close to the most Anthonys ever fielded by a kangaroo side, wouldn't it? Three. Yeah, I think well, I think it would have to be up there. That's trouble yeah. to think of many others. Yeah. Um, one thing on the teams I think we need to point out, very important about Australia, mm-hmm. uh, was that uh, Watmau's in the 22 and Kite starts because Steve Price is a laid out. And I was extremely disappointed when they cut to the bench to not see him wearing a jersey <laughs> and jeans, um, uh. grand, grand final <laughs> style. I, I was absolutely devastated. Like laid out, yeah. presumably in the chamber all week, will, will he, won't he? And they didn't have him in the grand final style jeans with Australian jersey. Oh, that was very upsetting. Do it for Pricey. He didn't have much luck, did he, really? When you think about it, like, missed a grand final mm. and a World Cup final. Um, the teams that he played for, like the Canterbury, in, in his whole time playing, they only played in one other grand final. Um, the, there were no World Cups. Like, there was no World Cup for eight years prior to this one and six or five years after this one. So we only got mm. one crack at that. Uh, yeah, most unfortunate. Uh, the New Zealand team, Fullback Lance Hohire, wings Sam Perrett and Manu Vaduve, centres Simon Mannering and Jerome Rapati, the halves Benji, Benji Marshall and Nathan Granigate Fiend. Uh, <laughs> never forget, Gazzy, never forget. Yeah, this is also a revenge game after, of course, he was uh, shuffled on for Thurston to go to the Cowboys a couple of yeah, years earlier. That's, that's right. Um, vindication. Yeah. <laughs> the forwards, uh, the front row, Nathan Kalis, captain. Uh, with Adam Blair, the hooker, Thomas Lulawai, back row, David Fialongo, Bronson Harrison and Jeremy Smith, the bench, Isaac Luke, Greg Eastwood, Sam Rapira, Sikamanu, and the coach, Stephen Kearney. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a <laughs> little thought experiment with you. How mm-hmm. many positions in there would you say that New Zealand uh, have an advantage of? Because I've got it as um, Manu Vatavai over the Wolfman is, is, I think, fair to say who I'd rather be on there and in, in 
any sport or context. Um, and aside from that, I mean, yeah. as much as we love Benji, I think at, even at this at this point, I mean, you probably couldn't say they had an advantage in having youthful Benji against Darren Lockyer. So um, what other position are you affording an advantage to other than Manu versus the Wolfman? And, I mean, Manu can be an advantage or a complete liability depending on which Manu was going to show up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so you don't want to rely on him being better than his opponent on any given day. <laughs> That's true. I No, I don't think – I mean, I, for just a second I entertained the thought of, like, peak angry Melbourne Adam Blair may be getting in ahead of Brent Kite, but Brent Kite is literally like about a month after winning the Churchill. So I don't think that flies. Um, mm. And people forget, I guess, how good Brent Kite was. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's that's about it, I think. I think you'd have to... You don't have Rapati and Mannering over Falau and Inglis, for example? No, I don't yeah. think... <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. Bronton Harrison versus the Australian back row. No, yeah, nothing. versus Glenn Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. it is. It's this is this is an this is a miracle, like right. Like it when is. you read it's those a, teams yeah. out, it, it is a it is a miracle team performance. Um, and whatever else Stephen Kearney didn't do in his coaching career, and we could spend a while on things he didn't do in his coaching career, uh, you will not take this away from him. An outstanding achievement at international level. Mm, absolutely mm. right. And I mean, it is worth mentioning that uh, that he his assistant uh, during this game, mm. uh, and it has been much storied. Uh, was uh, was. Old Uncle Wayne Bennett, uh, who we mentioned that 24-0 shellacking in the Tri-Nations final in 2005. He was the Australian coach at that time, uh, mm. resigned after that game. Uh, which, remember he was chased out of the airport? <laughs> remember that? They, they, yeah. <laughs> he had to take some back out, some back exit out of the airport because all the press were hassling him off the plane. Uh, <laughs> so he resigned as Australian coach. Times. And in classic Wayne style... You know, like he's got this Wayne Bennett through his whole the whole second half of his career has got this wonderful kind of Count of Monte Cristo energy where he comes back in a new form and starts like taking revenge on people he perceives to have wronged him. And he yeah. will work for literally anybody to do that, uh, including flipping and going to be Steve Kearney's assistant for New yeah. Zealand just to stick it up Australia. I yeah. Mean, Joy, I, I have seen a lot of cuts to Wayne Bennett in coaches' boxes over the years. And I have never, Gazzy, seen him as animated and excited and uh, expressive as he is during this game. He takes genuine, like, extreme joy in what happens here. Yeah, he cracks a smile. Um, he's, he's, like, he whoops yeah. it up. He's got his hands up yeah. in the air. And all this. I've never seen him do that before at any other time. No, I had in my notes that this was equal the equal most excited I've ever seen him with the time that Scott Minto scored in Golden Point. Um, <laughs> and and, he, and he, I remember it really well because Wayne had been on this big gambit against Golden Point and railing about it and like old man yells at Cloud. And then he was like, he went really burko when Scott Minto had scored it and then tried to hide it. He really like tried to yeah. downplay his own emotion just to not concede the point that it was quite exciting, which was really good values. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was never that excited coaching Australia or say, you know, Queensland or Brisbane to their 12th sort of comp in a row with a super team or whatever. Like no, it was, it was he, got, he was Mark really like, he was really joyous at this. Uh, You're right though. He, his whole second half of his career has been about grudges and like spiking it in whoever did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's right. Like gets sacked from Brisbane, goes to another club and just sniped about Brisbane for years, you know, mm. all of this sort of thing. He just, 
Um, now he's gone to Redcliffe to have a crack at Brisbane. Like it's just um, remember he, they he, they wouldn't coach um they, in the Origin they wouldn't let a club coach did it and when they were really short for that end of the season he put his hand up purely because he'd been enraged that he couldn't do it and basically won it to show everyone that yeah. it was a load of crap that a club coach couldn't do it and then rode back yeah. off into the night and didn't do it again. Yeah. It's all just you know it is you're right. It's just always got to be proving a point at someone. Yeah, he's just that's it. He's the, the first half was about winning comms. The second half was just sticking it up people. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about this World Cup generally. Um, This this was the first World Cup since 2000. Uh, The 2000 World Mm. Cup was considered such a disaster, particularly financially. There was a couple of the games in the 2000 World Cup had crowds of fewer than 2,000 people uh, that they... They, they binned it and were supposed to have one in 2004 and just didn't hold it and held the Tri-Nations instead and eventually got this one on for 2008. Um, there's a wonderful quote from Morris Lindsay uh, in which he says that uh, it'll be the biggest uh, the biggest event in rugby league history and that uh, the World Cup is important to develop uh, smaller nations uh, such as uh, Tonga and Russia. Uh, f- f- Fifty percent of that has held up quite well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, some may argue the wrong fifty percent. <laughs> God, wouldn't it be good if Russia had beaten Australia in a test a couple of years ago? Good heavens! <laughs> oh, well, yeah. The trouble is that Ian don't... Rubin's final revenge. Well, he has coach with Wayne as assistant. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. Um, so they this tournament was pushed back and pushed back, and finally they held it in two thousand eight. Uh, with uh, and Gazzy and listeners will know how fond I am of wacky formats. Um, this is a this is a beauty. So the, the the problem of 2000 was that they had 16 teams, and so they ran, which is a lot of teams yeah. in, at that stage. I mean, they haven't. I think that's the same now, but they certainly had that many in 2017. But in in 2000, 16 teams with pools, and this is how you get like Australia 110. Russia four and this kind of thing. So they decide in 2008, look, we can't have this like laboring pool, like group stage with all these blowout scores. So they don't know what we're going to do. They create a super group, right? They have a group A mm. with four teams of which three teams go through to the semifinals. Mm. And then they have group B and C and the top of each group play off for the other semifinal spot. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah, the pool of death, I believe, would be the appropriate term. Mm, deliberately mm. cultivated pool of death. Yeah. Uh, but very clearly pool of death for Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Who, are just, <laughs> who are just like... <laughs> the thing about this format that is incredible is, is that Group A is Australia, New Zealand, England and PNG. PNG are just ritually sacrificed for the sake mm-hmm. of competitive matches. They just put them in there to get belted but not that badly and give them absolutely no chance of progress. They have to beat England, New Zealand, or Australia to get through to the next round. Mm. Um, Which at that point was even less probable than, you know, they've gone on to challenge uh, England a little bit more yeah. recently, but it was quite improbable at that point. This is pre-PNG Hunters and before yeah. some of the advances that have been made. And I'm not, mm. I'm not in, by no means having a shot at Papua New Guinea here. They said this themselves. In mm. fact, Marcus Bai, uh, in an official capacity with the PNG side, Threatened to withdraw them from the tournament because the buy, like the system was such a rod. Um, 
that what they role did he have to withdraw? I'm not sure. But he, like, just unilateral as he said, energy spokesperson. Well, <laughs> if you're going to listen to anyone, yeah, uh, I've got to find you this quote in which he uh, he did, where he, he threatened a kind of rebel tournament. Here we go. Uh, Marcus Bly, former Papua New Guinea winger and captain, said they have to change it, and if they don't, we won't come. We will ring up the other island nations and teams elsewhere who don't qualify, and we can have our own competition. Um, they've shown no respect for our country and for our efforts to protect our promote the game up there. Frankly, I think he's right about the disrespect to Papua New Guinea in this draw, but the idea of a rebel World Cup involving the uh, the Pacific nations, that would have been a much better spectacle, I have to say. Um, that, yeah. would actually, that would actually be quite good. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. dare I say a Super League. Yeah, well, that would have got that would have smoked yeah. Morris Lindsay out, wouldn't it? it would <laughs> Anyway, so Panji rather understandably threatened to boycott the whole show mm. and end up playing and end up get, like getting whacked forty to six in all three of their games. And it's mm. very unfair. It's not much of a not much of a trip to the World Cup. The other groups, uh, Group B, Fiji, Scotland, and France, uh, and Group C, Ireland, Tonga, and Samoa. And it was actually it was quite competitive. And so the top three from mm. uh, the, the top three from A go through. That's Australia, New Zealand, England. Uh, and then there's a playoff and Fiji end up winning the playoff to go through to the semi-final, uh, thereby earning them the right. They beat Ireland uh, 30 points to 14 on the Gold Coast, in case you're wondering, um, and that earned them the right to uh, to get beaten 52-0 by Australia in the semi-final. Yeah, that, w- that was quite famous, that um, that gene effort for Jared Hayne playing for them. Um, mm. He played in there, and it was, it was the year before, obviously, he went um, caught fire for Parramatta in the famous run, and they credited a lot of it of, of him going back to playing with the Fijians and um, getting a lot of his hands on the ball and really enjoying himself. He hadn't really fulfilled quite what people thought he could do at that point. Um, so that was at the store at the time quite a big story. Him going back there and really performing very well throughout the World Cup. Mm. Yeah, so Fiji did quite well. This, of course, is before the because some of the changes to the eligibility rules that have allowed Tonga and Samoa in particular, mm. to become so much more, uh, so much stronger and so much more successful. It's amazing when you look at this, this tournament, how unrecognisable the international game is to what we're about to see in the World Cup yeah. at the end of this year. It is no, there is just no contest. Well, um, the, the the big thing of that, of course, is is um, it just goes really to the influence that Jason Taumalolo and Andrew Fafita have had on Mm-hmm. Sport is that pre Jason Tamalolo um, ringing New Zealand and saying I'm not going to the World Cup, um, and and for Fida then saying if you don't I won't and pulling on Australia that this is what it was right like the even eligibility rules and stuff aside people just did not opt to play for the island it wasn't considered a, a thing you either played for Australia and, and or you basically didn't a lot of the time and and those those guys making those moves has made the international game completely unrecognisable. Um, since that time compared to what it was then. Because you're right, you just go through and don't know who any of these players are. Um, mm. And they've got no chance whatsoever to even give a competitive game uh, to do anything like that. And there's teams, in the, you know, like the fact that you're comparing Tonga and Russia and then, I mean, Tonga has beaten Australia now. And that, that's the influence that people really need to. There's still a bit of a tendency here to put, focus really hard on origin in Australia. You need to look at the most significant figures in international rugby league in the last 20 years are Jason Tamalolo and Andrew Fafita for starting that. What they started that has completely transformed the sport more than anyone that plays for the Kangaroos has, has done or will do. Yeah, and Australia, this 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 World Cup that, that is about to take place in the UK, there are maybe four, maybe five teams who, who if they won it, it would be. I, I put this to you: mm. 
if, if, if any of Australia, New Zealand, Samoa and Tonga won the World Cup this year, mm. it would be less of a shock than New Zealand winning it this in 2008. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Um, I, I think at the moment it has changed a bit. I think that Australia will be expecting to win and Australian fans will expect them to win, but it won't be the fundamental shock that if they were to lose, you would say they should have won and we need to do something about this. Whereas back then it was like a fundamental crisis. It was like, that's unbelievable. How mm. on earth has, has that happened? You know, it's like, it's very, it, the best comparator is the Australian cricket team before Warner McGrath and that retired. That, remember when they lost the Ashes in England? Like, it, was, it was like, it was unbelievable. They didn't lose mm. for, for, for a decade and, and it, it rocked the whole country. And that's what in the smaller rugby league world, this was, was like, it, it just, um, it stuns everyone. And as much as generally they have got back to business and generally won since that the amount of shifting in time now is it would not cause the same issue. It will be considered a failure and a letdown, but it won't be considered this absolute thing that could not have happened and is inexplicable. It won't be an earthquake in the same no. way that this was. No, that's right. I, um, and that's as well a, a credit to the team New Zealand have assembled, which is yep. for this year much stronger than it, it would have mm. it was in 2008. Uh, the other, other thing to mention about the Rugby League World Cup, it just really battles, doesn't it, as a for, for as, a, as an event. It just really battles for crowds. It's amazing. Mm. So I I was thinking about this. I had a look at the figures. No game without – there was only one game that did not feature Australia or New Zealand that got, that got a crowd of more than 10,000 in the whole tournament, mm. and that was uh, that was Samoa versus Tonga, which got 11,787 uh, in the in the pool stage. Um, that would get at least twice that many now as well, uh, incidentally, given the amount of uh, – the amount that particular fixture has kind of grown in significance – since then, and grown in promotion and the rest of it. The Australia versus Fiji semi-final, this is the World Cup semi-final at the Sydney Football Stadium, 15,855. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's People know what's serious and what's not, and Australia weren't going to lose that. There was no way they could lose that. There was no, you know, the, the final was stunning enough, but there was no possibility whatsoever that Australia could have lost to Fiji. It's just it's not fair income, and people know that, right? Now, um, well, yeah, that's right. But, but that got me thinking, what is it about the Rugby League World Cup that people just will not go other than Australia versus New Zealand, Australia versus England? So I looked up, I, looked, I went back, I went back yeah. in time five years to the Rugby Union World Cup that was held in Australia yeah. in 2003. I've got a stat for you, Gazzy. Yeah. Across the whole Rugby World Cup, there were two games which got a lower crowd than the Australia versus Fiji semi-final. Mm. One of them was Romania 37, Namibia 7, uh, in front of 15,457 at York Park in Launceston. I'd like to have seen a few more people there. but so that's, that's 400 fewer than mm. attended the Australia Fiji semi-final. And Canada 24, Tonga 7, in front of 15,630 at Wollongong. I want to give you a couple of the games that got more than this World Cup mm. Rugby League semi-final. Argentina 67, Namibia 14 at Gosford, 17887. Fiji 41, Japan 13 in Townsville, 17,269. That's in Rugby League Heartland. Uh, the USA 39, Japan 26, got 19,653 at Gosford. But this is the this is the one that really takes the biscuit. Five years earlier, at the same ground, 
that the Australia-Fiji World Cup semi-final is held. Uruguay 24, Georgia 12, <laughs> attracted a crowd, Gazzy, of 28,576 to the Sydney Football Stadium. Right. I, I think there's what a big... on earth? <laughs> I think there's a fairly decent Georgian expat community, isn't there? Is there? <laughs> no. Um, it, it, uh, look, I, I've been thinking about this. and What's the go? Who are I these think, people? Well, I think without wanting to... to I, I don't want to crap on rugby's parade or anyone who went to the Rugby World Cup, but I think there's a... It's like the Olympics. I think there is a element of sheepism and lemmingism uh, of of people just getting caught up in event. I, I think mm. that like the like when I say Olympics, what I mean by that is like I went to the Olympics and watched the Olympic handball and it was full, right? I would never go to the handball any other point. I was young and my parents thought you want to get an Olympic ticket, you couldn't get hundred meter final, so you go to the handball. Yeah. And we we filled it out and, and like everyone at those Olympics, the Sydney Olympics, anyone was alive for that will have either tried to or have gotten tickets to some obscure sport or obscure event they'd never go to again because you couldn't actually get to the swim. You couldn't yeah. go and watch Ian Thorpe swim or Kathy Freeman run, right? You had to go to the other stuff. And it's a bit like that is that the Rugby World Cup, for whatever reason, even though there is only like, say, three or four teams that could possibly win it rather than one in, in the Rugby League World Cup, it's not happening anymore. There is just a sense of gravitas about it. Um, mm. like the an, an event, yeah. An event that people end up saying, I want to say I went to the Rugby World Cup and I can't get to Australia and New Zealand, so I get to Georgia and Namibia or something, whereas the, the Rugby League has never built that. And, and look, part of that may well be it's never been run seriously. I mean, you've gone through it yourself. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't run until 95. Like there was years before that where they just basically held the final. They held a tournament in 95 and it was A, overseas and B, the Super League players didn't go. So the first one was a bit of a joke because it didn't include half of the best players in the world. Um and it doesn't probably help, whilst it's a great achievement for Fittler and Johns and those guys, it probably doesn't help that Australia still won without half the play. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make you think this is fair income that Australia can leave out half their best players and win it. Then you have the 2001, which is a disaster. Um, then they don't bother playing it again. So you've gone from never having it to 95 to 2000 to not having it to then having it here. So where has that been allowed to build and whether it would or not, I can't answer you that question, but where it's not been allowed to build any momentum or build any anything behind it, and you know who's going to win. So it just doesn't have the gravitas, I don't think, and, and understandably yeah. so. And um, in, in some ways, you, you need a great tournament or, or a great thing to happen to change that. And in some ways, it's it that win wasn't the best time. The best timing for that to happen would be, be now. Um I think that if you really want this to take off, we need this World Cup to be really good. And it's a shame it's in England because the Southern Hemisphere teams and teams that are full of people that live in Sydney that would go, you know, people mm-hmm. of Samoan and Tongan descent and all this stuff and the Kiwis coming over and having a New Zealand and Australia joint World Cup right now with the teams that are good right now is the perfect time to capitalise. It's a real shame it's in the Northern Hemisphere, actually. Yeah, you um, and I have It's going on late at night. You, you yeah. and I have been to Tonga. Tonga v Samoa at oh, uh, at Campbelltown, and it is just it is it's one of the great like events. Nothing else. I, yeah. I, I've been to a lot of sport, and it's as good. At, you know, it's it's fantastic. The atmosphere is sensational. And if that was, if that was a World Cup quarterfinal, semi-final, whatever, um, book Homebush. You know, like you, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna need seats. That that New Zealand Tongan game this year, there were more Tongan. The, the Tongan support was greater. There was more red than black in the crowd. It was yeah. a great. They had they had the advantage in New Zealand in in crowded it is it's not anyone's fault but it's a shame it's not 
um, yeah. now. But a result like 08 now, especially if it had been here, was might be the thing that gives it that bit of credit. Mm. And maybe next time, you know, maybe if there is an upset or a, or maybe if there is a one of the not one of the teams other than Australia wins at this time, mm. it sets it up quite well to be yeah. out here next time, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I really struggle with the idea that twice as many people attended Argentina versus Namibia in Gosford as attended Scotland versus Fiji in the rugby league five years later. It's baffling. Mm. And, and you're right. I think it is just that union. The World Cup has this spectacle about it, particularly in 2003 when Australia was successful and they had the cup and all that stuff. It just mm. rugby had a moment, I guess, at that time and everyone yeah. wanted a we, bit. We've been competitive for, you know, they held it and they've been com- competitive against New Zealand, had a lot of good battles. It was um, it be interesting wouldn't if be that like held that, now. Then. Yeah, mm. I, I'm not sure it would. No, I don't think um, so. Either. Not the crappy games. You get everyone there for the the big ones, but I don't think you'd get the. I'm not sure you would still get that. For yeah, sort of I, I don't think so games. either. Hmm. No, I, I I don't think so either. Um, it, it's it's pretty hard to imagine. I mean, you you don't get those sort of. You'd struggle to get seven thousand, seventeen thousand to a to a Waratahs game these days. Yeah. Um, no. Never mind a what. Never mind you know Georgia versus Namibia or something. Uh, now, was there anything else? Oh, yes, I did want to mention that the official World Cup anthem was Hero by Natalie Bassingthwaite. Um, <laughs> I just thought you would want to know that. Yes, I do. Uh, while we're on that, I, I take the, if I can take a chance to talk national anthems with you. You can. Um, I just wanted to say, I, I didn't catch his name, but there's someone who created a famous opera group was singing the New Zealand national anthem. And, and I thought it was worth mentioning. I don't, did you catch the anthem? Oh, I actually, I actually uh, fast forwarded through it. Uh, well, you might want to go back because he sings it basically in opera. Oh, yeah, like with the big deep. Te- like, I won't do it, but like that deep nice. sort of wobbling tenor through the Kiwi anthem, like singing the Maori parts and the the other part, and it's incredible. It's quite, uh, it's just odd. It's quite. It sounds nice. It's just quite an odd. You don't hear a lot of opera singing of you know anthems. In that time, but anyway, that's all I just thought you would like to know. You should go back and watch it. Well, I tell you what, I did watch before the game was the Harker, uh, yes, uh, and it's a beauty in the in the Harker Cannon. Uh, the, the the New Zealand side, led by Adam Blair, uh, who, who is who is leading the Harker, are advanced upon by the Australians. Mm. The Australians and the the New Zealand side are on halfway mm. line. The Australians start about ten meters away, and they move forward as a line and get in their faces. Uh, and there is this face-to-face confrontation, and Benji Marshall is right up in Cameron Smith's face, just eyeballing him and screaming, and all of this. It's uh, it's quite sensational. It was a really, really, uh, really intense, fiery, hmm. uh, atmospheric start to the game. Was well, Adam Blair's a very fierce Harker leader? He did mm. it for a while for them. He's a particularly fierce leader of the Harker. Um, yeah, no, it's a good. It's, you've always got to have some sort of. It, once they won, I haven't looked, but I assume there'll be some sort of thing in there about how Australia advancing on the Harker either disrespected it or fired them up. Because whenever yeah. a New Zealand team wins and anyone has done anything slightly out of the usual with the Harker, it has to be then posited as a reason for the result yeah. every time. Uh, if you basically move off your exact spot and just look politely, then anything you do, if you then lose, is the reason. You know, like yeah, a New Zealand round them up with the Harker yeah. every time. That's absolutely right. Uh, Australia made the final with four straight wins, conceding a total of 16 points. There wasn't too much indication that they were uh, weak going into this game. 30 to 6, uh, 50 to 4 against England, 46 16 against PNG, 52 0 against Fiji in the semis. Uh, New Zealand had two scraps against England, uh, 36 24 in the pool stage, 32 22 in the semi final. Uh, they beat PNG 48 uh, 6. That was the, the, the build up to the game. 
and uh, I have to say, in the early stages, uh, it, it it looked like Australia were, were, were going to coast it. It looked like they were just going to roll through them and, and win by 30 or 40. Yeah, it did. Um, I should add that we got the New Zealand commentary for this for this call. It's what it's available mainly because mainly New Zealand people have uploaded this game, yeah. um, which is which, good luck to them. Uh, it's always funny. I've, I've said before with Warriors games how incredibly bias and like the New Zealand commentary is in this era. Um, it, it's so funny. It, it takes till the third minute where they bring the ball back. And it might, it, 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 it might even be the third ruck. It's the third ruck or the third minute. And one of the commentators just chips in with Ashley Klein already giving the Australian liberties in the ruck, like immediately <laughs> struck off the bat. One of them, I think it's Halligan. I think Halligan late in the game has to admit that actually New Zealand yeah. have had a hell of a lot of calls go their way. Yeah, I know. I know. They, they, get, they start off hard and you're like, oh, I think this is your day, boys. I don't think I'd be taking that line. But um, the yeah. lead commentator, by the way, I'm so glad you brought this up because you're right we i tried i was looking at different ways to watch this game and all of the uploads are from new zealand uh, and you know understandably so nobody has uploaded the channel nine broadcast of this game the lead commentator gazzy the fellow mm. called jason costigan now i don't know if you know much about jason Costigan. he was he was the sky new zealand call yeah. of the years and we used to get him here for warriors games and he's not yeah. actually from new zealand he um he's from queensland yeah um and you would recognize anyone who watched football in the late nineties and early two thousands and saw Warriors game would recognize his voice immediately. And go, oh, that's the yeah. that used to call the Warriors. Um, but what you may not know, Gazzy, uh, is that Jason Costigan was a member of the Queensland Legislative Assembly for Whit Sunday uh, from uh, having been elected at the twenty twelve state election. And uh, really, yes, who for? He, uh, for the LNP, he was suspended okay. from the LNP, uh, and then. In September 2019, and this is the bit that I really wanted to get to, mm. uh, in September 2019, Costigan founded the North Queensland First Party. Really? Which aims for North Queensland statehood. Really? That's fantastic. <laughs> Secession. That's fantastic. Secession. Like, Secession. The Warriors games. Yeah. How, how do you go from calling the games in New Zealand and presumably living there because he only like he only called New Zealand home games. Yeah, I don't how know. Do you, how do you end up from being calling New Zealand games within ten years of that, trying to seed North Queensland? I'm not sure. The I'm North sure Rises, happened, but I thought you would want me to. Um, I absolutely do. Want me to pass these that, three? That's a three... way to make an interesting World Cup. By the way, if North Queensland seeded, they'd have a pretty good side. That's true. Very. They at least made the semis of this World Cup. A very simple and elegant manifesto for the North Queensland First Party. Uh, three objectives. One to promote and deliver self-government and statehood for North Queensland. Mm. Uh, two, the election of MPs to the Queensland Parliament. Three, mm. to give specific voice in the Queensland Parliament to the desires and expectations of the people of North Queensland. Which is to be not in their parliament. Well, indeed. <laughs> the second one's a bit odd. Like, I mean, now, every, every time you achieve two, it sort of uh, goes at odds with one. Yeah, took on the Cowboys' colours as well, uh, but they, they? yeah, took on the Cowboys. The Cowboys, yeah, fantastic, uh, but unsuccessful in uh, un- unsuccessful in achieving a thus far. Uh, well, unsuccessful in achieving a seat in Queensland Parliament. And oh, thus right. far, I thought you were say it accordingly, oh, as a result, thus far unsuccessful. Well, uh, I keep seceding from uh, from the rest of Australia. Yeah, well, maybe the I rest think of put to him that maybe Parliament's not the way to do this. Maybe it's time the time for peaceful means is over. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I just I thought that you would want to know that. What an incredible career path. I know. 
It is calling Warriors games into uh, yeah, yeah, wonderful seating from Queensland. Anyway, mm. uh, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, fringe political movements, in the fifth in the fifth, <laughs> in the fifth minute of this game, the, <laughs> there's a penalty given against Brent Kite, and I just <laughs> as he gets up and he's 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 blowing up at the referee, and all I could think was. You have no authority over me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a... Just... <laughs> I think objecting to authority, even then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope nobody's missed that because that was one of the that is one of the great modern rugby league um, yeah. scandals. Brent Kite sort of going into court. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I do it too. Every time he looks appalled, I just think that you have no authority. You have no authority over me. Yeah, I'll try and find. I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't expect to have to find the story. But yeah, anyone, no. who, doesn't, anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, just 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 look it up. Uh, Brent Kite in court rant, I'm not an anarchist. Ex-NRL star doubles down on bizarre court rant in social media post. Um, yeah, he, he had to appear in court charged with refusing to show his license to police, driving an unregistered Class A motor vehicle on the road and using an uninsured vehicle on the road. Uh, the Canberra Star reported that Kite represented himself in court and pleaded not guilty to all charges. Uh, he claimed he was exercising his constitutional rights when he refused to wind down his window to police. Uh, he denied that he was a member of the sovereign citizen movement <laughs> and then demanded that he be <laughs> demanded that he be tried in a court with a jury and two magistrates. <laughs> Oh, that was the best bit. Why two? What, what, about, the, what about the judge? <laughs> Magistrate Roger Clisdell replied, I can cut myself in half if it helps. <laughs> Describing the defendant's demands as nonsense. Kite reportedly then claimed the court had, quote, no authority, end quote, over him. Uh, he later doubled down on Instagram. I was in court today. I know the attire is a little casual, but I was one of the better presented in full in a full Queensland court. Then he starts talking about how someone had was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, uh, and then he says, "No, I am not an anarchist. If you don't know your rights, you have none. I may just provoke some questions for you. If you're happy with the status quo, that's your prerogative." Uh, so anyway, that's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Make of that. So into the nitty-gritty, is driving unrego wrong? That's up to you. In 20 years paying rego on insurance, I've never damaged a person's property or their body, but that's what happened to me, and that's why it's wrong, and that's why Queen Bee and Police now have a case to answer. Anyway, um, you know, if you're out there driving um, this mm. week and you get pulled over by the coppers, you know, um, you know, maybe maybe give that a try, just sitting in the car completely motionless with your window still up and see how that goes for you. Um, <laughs> But yes, seeing him argue with the referee just brought it all back. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the the tries at the start of this game. Uh, Australia jump out to ten nil fairly briskly. Mm. They are inches away from being fourteen nil kick to come. Uh, the first try is just classic early mid Billy Slater scything pace mm. from about the halfway line. He just cuts through. Uh, actually takes on Lance O'Hire at fullback and then, f- as he's grasped, flings the ball inside to Lockyer, who turns up in support. Got a touch from Vadu Vay on the way, but Lockyer catches it, strolls over, uh, and it's 4 0. And then uh, a couple Scything of. Scything pace. Just, oh, just, just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. I forgot 
I mean, I know how fast he was, but Jesus, like he gets the ball and just skips outside two blokes and then beats the third on the outside. The the pace is un- incredible. As yeah. fast as anyone who's ever lived, seriously. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He just he just cuts through them. Yeah. Um, he, he that was in the, in that era. I mean, every time he got the ball, the game just went into fast forward, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then he sets up the next try, and at this point, you think, God, Billy Slater's going to be man of the match in the World Cup final. Well, this is going to be a crowning day in his career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he turns up on the short side. Oh, beautiful. Uh, lovely little short side raid, face ball across to David Williams on halfway, who skates down the touchline. Uh, and scores untouched from halfway, lands so high a kind of communication breakdown between him and Benji and uh, doesn't end up even trying to tackle him. And Williams mm. runs around and scores. It's 8 nil. Thurston uh, misses the goal by a mile. Uh, hang on. No, he does kick the goal for that one. It's 10 yeah. nil. But at that point, uh, it looks like a non-event. It looks like they're gonna, New Zealand are going to get an absolute bath. And just to make good on it, Benji kicks the ball dead on the full from the kickoff. Yeah. Uh, I actually yeah. do think Brent Kite buggered up the, the catch. I think he had a foot in the air. But the point is they come back out to halfway. Uh, they get on the attack. Cameron Smith puts a little grubber in from five out. Lockyer picks it up. He's just about to score. And at that point, it's about to be 14-0 kick to come. Game said bingo. But, Gazzy? Yeah, uh, Lockyer drops it. And and what I was going to say is you, you can't tell he drops it live. They go to the old video ref and those days, you know, they just – they don't call try or no try. They just go to the video ref. And at this point, it doesn't look live like he's dropped. Like you don't get a good angle on it, and it looks like you just put it down. And what I was saying, when Benji kicked it out in the full, this has this familiar – this has followed a script. This is a really familiar pattern because New Zealand flew out and put some big shots on early, hit yeah. hard. They got down there and had a chance, and Benji dropped a grubber over the line. It was a tough chance, but he mm, – I should have mentioned that. He should have right. scored it. Fiend put a grubber in. It was it, it sort of bounced on its point. It was a bit wonky. But Benji got there first. Like, they kicked early. Mm. He got there first. He dropped it. And then it's – they're in this back and forth where they've come out really aggressive and hard, and then Australia just go, bang, piece of class, try – bang, piece of class, try, kickoffs out in the full, and you go, oh, it's the familiar pattern. They, they, they go hard for 10 minutes. Australia then scores a few tries. What will probably happen is New Zealand will score a try or two at some point. It'll go in at, you know, 16-6 or 12 or 20-10 to 10 or something like that, and then Australia flogs them in the second half. I've got so many tests like that growing mm-hmm. up where they, they you go, oh, New Zealand's in this early. They're really putting this on, and they're within maybe 10-12 to 12 at half time. and you go, maybe a comeback if they score first, and then they get wiped. It's just yeah. always, you know, Australia's class just shines through, and that's what's happening here. And, you know, Benji's already missed touch at this point, so he missed mm-hmm. touch early on with a penalty. He's then kicked off out on the full. So at this moment, this Lockyer play here, in my view, like I wrote in the notes that Lockyer just dropped the World Cup. Like realistically, without troping Herschel Gibbs, he I'm did. Glad like, you said that because I yelled it out. You just dropped yeah. the World Cup, Lockyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they were they're going. That's be a point a minute. You know, yeah. like essentially, oh, no. I I, I have over. written, I have written in that. my notes in capital letters. You just dropped the World Cup. Like yeah. if they score sixteen nil, you know, yeah, and and even yeah. if he doesn't, like New Zealand are cactus. They're just they get the tries that Australia score. Mm. They're classy and all that, but they're letting them in from halfway. Like they're just making breaks from halfway. Yeah, the the, um, the Slater one's a lovely ball, but the winger went untouched from halfway and didn't even get touched by a fullback. Like let alone no no covers. Yep. You're right, and and it was just a very odd no try because usually when one goes up, you go, oh, I'm not sure about this. But even the Kiwi commentators, when I was grubbed through, he scored. Smith grubbed on the short side to a guy standing right next to him. We all thought he got it down, but on the replay, he does drop it. And he, he, the funny thing to go back to the Kiwi commentary is in the background, once you see it dropped, you can hear this clapping. 
yeah. in the back of the box. One of the commentators <laughs> just off camera started chucking yeah. in the back of the commentary box because that's what New Zealand needed, which is Daryl Daryl Halligan is the expert, and he's just yeah. wonderfully parochial. Like I, yeah. I just I love it. I I really do. Yeah, so we should be right. There's like the- two great things about him: one, the parochialism about them and the Warriors, who he never even played for. Um, but the other great thing about him is he really knows whenever someone lines up a goal kick, he's like, "This is my time to shine." This is, oh, you know, yeah. it, it's like when bloody Bill Harrigan was on Triple M. Every time a ref makes a call, he, he's obligated to speak. And like Daryl Halligan will not let a goal kick from any spot go without giving his. You know, 10 cents on what the kicker will be thinking, what he'll attempt to do with swinging this one back to the, you know, some technical point um, about goal kicking. Fantastic. I I actually, I I always think about rugby league people from New Zealand, that it's, it's quite a hard gig. Like rugby league is, is, is so kind of squashed by rugby union over there. And a a day like this just must've been enormous, you know, Mm. to have, to have this happen. Yeah. Um, especially given that New Zealand hadn't won the Rugby World Cup for 20 years at this point. Yeah. Um, and had they kept kind of bombing out in the finals and semifinals and this kind of thing in the in the rugby. Uh, it just must have been so exciting to, to have this happen. See, yeah. but the only thing I can compare it to from my is, you know, when Australia started qualifying for the World Cup in soccer, you know, all the soccer yeah. people in Australia go, oh, this is, you know, like finally yeah. we're getting a bit of attention here, that, you know. Mm. Um, and and it, it must have been, I can understand why, There'd be a lot of clapping and whooping, even on yeah. commentary, because it's oh, it, it such a big thing. Halligan in his Winfield Cup days, playing back at North and stuff, he would have played in some fairly abysmal New Zealand sides, right? Mm. They would have got some pastings off Australia in his lifetime, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. to have played and, and, and probably copped it. And, you know, like you do, like totally not unfairly or whatever, they would have copped up, you know, they would have got a cop holly for sledging and stuff playing and getting whacked and then not treated all that well by Australia and all the rest of it as, as you get when you're on top. And to then, you know, be able to sit back and watch them, you know, do this, what they're going to do. It must be very thrilling for some of the guys that have been, had to play through some of the, the tougher stuff. Yeah. Very, very satisfying. I reckon that, yeah. that, that, that Lockyer drop happens on the, in the 20th minute. So we're a quarter of the game gone at this point. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand haven't scored, um, noting they go on to score 34 points. Yeah. Uh, and, and Australia are all, all over them. And then something happens that just has no context around it. It just it happens mm. almost in a vacuum where <laughs> New Zealand get an opportunity. They go up to the Australian end of the field, aren't doing a huge amount with the ball. And mm. they give it to Jeremy Smith. Mm. And he just scores. He just yeah. gets it. He just takes a hit up. And from about fifteen out, bashes yeah. through Craig Fitzgibbon, Glenn Stewart, and at the end Billy Slater, right through the heart of the defence and scores mm. on the posts out of nowhere. And you go defenders what? and everything, yeah, yeah, it's a hit up. I've just got hit. Uh, Smith takes a hit up. Yeah, and it's yeah. a rambunctious, angry run, yeah. but it is ultimately a hit up, and it, it just it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's funny when um, Jeremy Smith, he, uh, you know. I always downplay him a little bit in my head because we got, as a Knights fan, got his retirement fund. Like, got him at yeah. the end coming out here where he didn't do much. But he had a very good career. Like, he was he was a really, like, key player in some Kiwi triumphs and the, their emergence. And obviously in the St. George um, Grand Final side, and he, play, he played, uh, you know, uh, very well at um, at Melbourne and also Cronulla. He had a really good career. He's one of those guys who, you know, if he was from Australia, he would have played a fair bit of origin and got a bit of big, bigger name. Uh, to, you know, like for all the, it was a bit soft, like he got it and he ran it hard. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. He was a tough player. He had a good career. 
for himself. It's funny. I just um, it was. It was a really, it was a really big, strong run that yeah. suddenly made something happen just through effort. Um, and maybe Australia were, maybe Australia were coasting a little bit given how well how things have been going their way. I found it very strange seeing Craig Fitzgibbon in this game. By the way, I thought so too. I thought it was very late for him. Um, very just late like, in the day. Just like very late in the day. The, the idea of Craig Fitzgibbon playing with the Storm guys just doesn't quite add up to me as a they just belong to different eras of the game in my view yeah totally. i'm not saying he shouldn't have been in the team but just aesthetically no. aesthetically it didn't seem right i think it is very at the end of the day for him i think he's yeah i think he's yeah i, I thought that was an odd one um i think speaking of odd at about this time there is one other big change in the game at about about the smith try just before is the coming into the game of sam rapira yes just needs to be mentioned for two reasons one incredible haircut <laughs> um, only the back left on. Yeah. Um, essentially, it's not a mullet. Like it's no, it's like a back Jonah, like the the, the top Jonah that yeah. Jonah Womu had. It's like that, but on the back of his head. Yeah. Um, it's like remember, you won't remember because you you hate soccer, but pe- people listening might remember when Ronaldo went to the two thousand two World Cup. I with do the, remember with, that, the, with yeah. the triangle stuck, it's mm. like cut into his head. It was mm. like that, but it was on the back of his head, and it was a rectangle. Yeah, yeah, I do actually remember that. Enough, even Wonderful. I know who Ronaldo is, is fat Ronaldo is. Um, and uh, but Sam Rapira, apart from that haircut, had to be mentioned. I will put it to you fairly hard. Was the best forward on the field from either team. Uh, this game is unbelievable game in a World Cup final. I don't know who got men in the match, but it, I mean, it, it, I, they probably gave it to her higher or someone, I guess. But it, for it's getting like, a couple of tries, but it should have been Sam Rapira, best player on the field. Best player just, by a mile. It was Lockyer. He did get man of the match. Um, yeah, yeah Rapira, um, again, it's the thing about the World Cup, though, isn't it? And I think we're going to talk about this later, but where the World Cup sits in the status of the game. Because if, you, if, if Sam Rapira had a game this good in the NRL grand final, people would remember, you know? Like, people, yeah. people would know. Um, yeah, it would be it would be mentioned every time he got near the ball for the rest of his career. He was um, fantastic. He was just he was just blind. Like the the aggression yeah. he was running with. Yeah, he he really takes it up to them, up to a really nasty big pack of forwards. He goes right, oh, let's go. Yeah, um, absolutely. He, he was someone who didn't have a name. Um, Even in his own team, he wasn't. No. He wasn't. You know, anywhere near the. Uh, you know, the best forward, not even close, like in terms of name or anything. It, no. It's stunning. Like, it, it, it's as good as I've any seen a forward play in a big game. Yeah, he was. You're, you're so right. Um, he just comes on comes on and gives this gives this kind of voltage to their, their mm. forward pack that they didn't have. Um, now, Isaac Luke kicks the goal uh, for 10-6. Uh, again, Isaac Luke on the same field as Craig Fitzgibbon is not right. That's no, that, not, that's not really. that's not right. Um, uh, and then Lance Ohio drops the kickoff, and so New Zealand have had this moment. They've got yeah. an opportunity. They've scored out of sort of nothing, and you go, "Oh well, that's that bugging. That'll be that." Uh, but it isn't. Ohio drops the kickoff. Australia do not score. And three minutes later, <laughs> something which could only happen with the involvement of Benji Marshall. <laughs> like, do you remember? Remember in that semi-final against the Dragons when Benji, like, tried to, I think he tried to take a field goal and had an air swing or he dropped it. And No, that's right. He dropped the ball cold with no one around him and realised that he dropped it and stuck a boot out at it. And it, like, drop kick chipped over the defence and he regathered and scored. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. And it was, like, awarded as a drop kick, even though it wasn't meant to be. That was weird. This is 
about as weird. He takes the line on for about halfway, just inside the Australian half, skips and props and takes the line on, goes into the contact, and the ball just comes flying out. And you go, geez, Benji's not had a good start to this game. And everybody stops on the Australian team. The only person who doesn't stop is David Firelongo, who steams onto the ball, <laughs> picks it up, draws the fullback, and puts Jerome Rapati over. The referee waves play on and then sends it up to the video because he thinks the ball's been stripped. And when they when they t- when they play the video, uh, the decision is that Anthony Lafranchi stripped the ball out and that it accordingly was playing on six to go to Australia as uh, six to go to New Zealand and the tries awarded. And, when, uh, when Isaac Luke puts the goal over, it's 12-10. Unbelievable um, try. I've never seen a ball come out like that. It goes 15 metres forward. Yeah. Ben- Benji steps and then goes in the line. So bang, off his foot, in the line. The tackle comes from the side and the arm... It, it, rake is such the wrong word for it because if he hits it out, he hits it out. He doesn't rake it out. Like, it's not. Yeah. he doesn't pull at it. And he swings his arm into the tackle from the side and it, like, hits the ball, which spurts out like a piece of soap. Like, yeah. boom, like when you lose the soap, it's flying forward down the field. And, yeah, the Kiwis pick it up and, and score. It's um, the first of some contentious decisions by the video <laughs> referee. Um, yeah. Can I ask you whether that would be, given the emphasis now and the bunker has on the word stripping motion, Yeah, would that, given that he literally hits it out in a, I would say, in an attempted tackle, like he doesn't look at the ball and play it with his hand. He's 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 he does hit it out. Like Benji doesn't lose it. The arm hits the ball, but he's tackling him, right? Yeah, I I think what happened here. I think the reason this try gets given is that Klein. I I think that all ninety nine times out of a hundred, this is pulled up. And what happens is that Klein waves play on, lets them go through and score, and puts into the mind of the video referee, oh, this could be a strip. And when they look at it, they go, oh, no, 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 we did strip that. Mm. And they, like, it's one of the, it, I think ordinarily this is, this is if, if this is pulled up live, yeah, I don't think there's a huge complaint about it when the replay comes up. No. Put it, can I like, put it that way? Yeah, because I think it's LaFranchi. I might be wrong, but it it, is, yeah. LaFranchi can't see the ball. Like no, he's he trying to tackle Benji him. from the side. Benji stepped, and he's the outside man coming in to make the tackle from the outside of Benji, who stepped, and he's lunging into the space to tackle him. He couldn't have even possibly seen that. He's trying to tackle him, and his yeah. hand hits the ball. Like, admittedly, you know what I mean. Like, it does hit the ball flush, but yeah, it, yeah it's an interesting one because it's always hard to judge rules now because they change the rules every two years. So often what it would be now is completely irrelevant to what it might have been at the time. But there's, I think nowadays there would be no doubt in the world that it, it would be a knock-on because there's no – there's no. they always talk about attempt now, like you a stripping motion or an attempt yeah. to take the ball, and he's attempting to tackle him and has inadvertently hit the ball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, it, it does lead to some absolutely fantastic commentary, one of my favourite rugby league tropes, which is Daryl Halligan keeps repeatedly saying that New Zealand have played the whistle – um, and you know, the whistle, uh, boys. you know, the whistle the whistle well. whistle. old man, old the... man at every ground, at every game that has ever been played since 1908, that there has not been a game where an old dude in the crowd has not sat, has not gone, mate, you got to play to the whistle. You got to play to the whistle. The crack thing about this as well is cautionary that. tale, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. Play Actually... to the whistle, mate. He hasn't blown the whistle. It's play on. <laughs> Just goes to show, serves you right. Yeah. There's a real sense that if you don't play to the whistle, then anything that happens to you is fair game. Yeah, it's your fault. Like, just, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you just drop the ball forward 15 metres, but no, you no, should have no. played. You should have played one. You should have played the whistle. You, mate. 
Yeah, the, exactly the other right. great thing while we're talking about the refereeing is that Ashley Klein is the referee in this game. And mm. we all know him as an NRL referee now. But at this point, he was quite an exotic species because he was refereeing in the Super League. And so mm. that, of course, brought a lot of chat about different interpretations. I love that. Um, and, and one of the great things about International Rugby League is that you get very often Australia playing New Zealand, two teams full of NRL players being refereed by some mad referee from the UK mm. who has a completely underst- different understanding of how the game's played. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and this was this was right in the arc of that where a lot of Australians after this game would have been saying whoever that bloke was from the UK he needs to go play, um, you know. Yeah. And they wouldn't have been wrong based on what we've had to endure in the NRL in, for the, in the, years. the years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> history has like I think subsequent events have pro- have proven that view correct. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, there's a uh, after that try there is also a wonderful the first bullshit chant of the night absolutely yes. ringing around the crowd once the video ref makes that decision um not the last no i will note that i was going to complain about this later and i may as well do it now just to make a point that this is only, this is one of the more contentious decisions in the game right and this video ref makes it relatively quickly and he, he is the slowest in later <laughs> some of the later decisions some of which are obvious i reckon he takes three minutes Oh, and it, 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 it's idiots like the guy who was doing this game that caused them to overreact and bring out the bunker and all these weird rules to try and speed it up, which have yeah. also been weird and not helpful. But it was this error. I th- you forget that we've been as many problems as there are in the game. One of them isn't anymore. Is that ridiculous downtime where they score? It goes to the, or you don't know, it goes to the video ref and they literally look at it for five minutes. Like yeah. you're watching and you're like, can you imagine if you're watching this live? And oh, man, like, I, I think come on, come still... on. You know? I think this is still a bit of a problem. I watch a little bit of the Super League, and, oh. and very often the, some of the um, some of the decisions take an absolute age. There was one in the there was one in the Challenge Cup final last year. Mm. Um, just that, like they had protractors out and compasses and all kinds of things. It was just it yeah. just went on for an eternity. Whether it's better or worse, having the bunker give the try and then waiting to see if it's really a try is totally debatable. But one thing is that we just—it's been a while since I've had to have that awful like. Just watching yeah. them, just watch and watch and watch, and you're sitting there going, "I know what the decision is, and everyone knows why you why are you still watching this." Yeah, um, but he was quite quick on this one. Yeah, well, <laughs> so that's the 27th minute, mm. and all of a sudden New Zealand are in front, um, uh, which seems completely at odds with the flow of the yeah. game, uh, and even still completely at odds with what happens next because Australia, uh, a few minutes later. Uh, find themselves 30 metres out on the right-hand side. They swing the ball all the way to the left with this succession of fast passes and basketballs mm. and offloads and all this kind of thing. Uh, Watmo ends up with it, cuts back inside, goes past the couple with a speed and agility that I didn't necessarily uh, uh, recognise in him and uh, finds a pass to Darren Lockyer to score again next to the post. So it goes one side to the other, then back to the middle. Mm. Uh, it probably the, the play probably goes through about t- 10 sets of hands. But Australia get back in front. Thurston kicks the goal, sixteen twelve at half time. Thurston um, multiple touches on that play, which, as you know, I'm obligated to point out whenever a halfback has two. Uh, Lockyer does as well, um, which is notable only because he gets the ball on the right hand side of the post, throws a cutout, and scores on the left hand side of the post when Watmau cuts back inside and hits him. So he hasn't had two sort of setup touches, but he's thrown the ball from the right-hand side of the post if you're attacking in the midfield and has taken the time to end up in support on the other side of the goalpost, which takes a level of commitment and 
you know, desire that you the difference between great players and people that with just a bit of ability. Yeah. Um, but Thurston, the double touch, when your halfback double touches, uh, very few bad things have ever happened. So Beautiful full thing. credit to him. Yeah, we also get a bit of a uh, – I should mention, it's remiss of me not to have mentioned, that uh, after all of these tries, we do get vision of Ronnie Palmer. Um, <laughs> and I, I, mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned that because, you know, we've talked in the past about – some of the people who keep coming up in games that we have done. Uh, Ronnie Palmer, I think, has been in all of them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if I reviewed the footage of the 85 Challenge Cup final and found him running the water around there, looking exactly the same as he does now. Um, It's a bit of a super team because Alan Langer also comes out. It's it's a real, like, celebrity trainer. I think they pulled out no stops in the trainers. Um, I saw saw Ronnie Palmer at the airport uh, a couple of years ago before Magic Weekend. And, God, it was a beautiful thing to see out of context. I just looked across the airport and there was... (laughs) Was he in the Fluro? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. That's a shame. I just yeah. didn't know he owned anything else. No, it's um, so jarring because yeah, like, if he's not a footballer, well, I know he was a footballer, but like, yeah. it's not the same as seeing like if you see Greg Inglis or someone out, you go across Greg Inglis. Like it was just yeah, that was Ronnie Palmer. It's very good. They um, Alfie's there, and also Ruben Wiki doing it for the Kiwis really oh, does gosh. make it celebrity central. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, if you were out in the field and, and Ruben Wiki sent you a message, you'd be doing your darndest to sort of carry it out, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, you know, Ruben's like, you're slacking off, push up and defence. Like, yes, sir. <laughs> you're right, <laughs> mate. Whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Far yeah. out. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. It's a real, real who's who. He really is the um sort of the Kiwi elite, you know, key, the best trainer in Kiwi history, I think it's fair to say, Ruben Wiki, particularly yeah. because he looks just as fearsome as when he played. Oh, man. Well, he'd only yeah. just retired. This is only about a yeah. year or two. He couldn't have been retired long. No. Um, no. Yeah. Wonderful but, player. Um, <laughs> absolutely right. So 16-12 at half time. I've written here, it's only some mad stuff making this a context. Uh, a contest. Australia could be up 30-0. Benji mm. is having basically a stinker. Uh, but they... They come out for the second half. Luckily, there's no more mad stuff. So no, but this is it. Right? Like, should be right. Yeah, you, you do. If you're at halftime and you're watching this live, you go, oh, look, win. New Zealand have had a bit of luck. Like they've had a couple of wacky things yeah. that only happen once a year. But that'll be it. Like Australia's yeah. got too much class. They, they've got to get them. Yeah. Um, they come out for the second half, and Craig Fitzgibbon drops the ball off the first set of the kicker off the kickoff. Uh, Lance Ohio fizzes a really nice cutout pass. Um, to Vado to Vadovai on the wing, and he's just forced out by David Williams. Mm. And this is a minute after half time, and they could have leveled it. You go, oh, well, yeah. that, that was a chance, you know, that that was yeah. a legitimate chance. Um, doesn't come off for them. That's a that's a five minute looker. That the they spent five minutes looking at that, and I could have told you on the second look that he was oh. out. And they, they took maybe I reckon eight or nine looks at the same shot, which really clearly showed the knee hitting the ground and the ball, like his knee goes out in the field of play and the ball is not yet on the ground and you can see it and he keeps freezing it there, then going back and watching again and again. And you get hopeful Daryl Halligan piping in with possibly simultaneous. <laughs> and even the other commentators are like, even the other commentators are going, yeah, I don't think so. But it, 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 this was a really infuriating one. Like I reckon yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this was four minutes of airtime for a no try that I reckon you could tell on the second look he didn't score. Yeah. fairly comfortably and then if you want to have a third to confirm it yeah go for it but this that this was I, I i don't want to like bitch too much about it but i can't emphasize enough that if you go back and watch this game you'll people who are used to 
the 2022 version of the bunker and everything will really get these flashbacks to that that awful yeah. amount of looks they used to do. It was a really bad time in the game. And like I said, it's not necessarily better now, but it's at least shit in a different way. <laughs> like that was awful. That's right. like, it was terrible. That's a beautiful, was, that's yeah. a very elegant yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, but but having, having missed that chance, they come back again a few minutes later after a spell of possession off a penalty. Benji, mm. by the way, it just, we just don't deserve it. You get, they get a penalty on him around the <laughs> About their own 20 or 30. And he goes, no, we're on here. Quick tap. <laughs> Takes off. <laughs> and the great thing about it is that it does work in the sense that he makes a half break and gets up mm. to about the Australian 40, but he only gets to where they would have kicked to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so exciting to look at, but it does usually a really good quick tap. Uh, unless you're right near the try line, going for one of the old school Alan Langer, like tap and yeah. dive over tries, um, inevitably you do only get to where the kick went, right? So they've yeah. gone back. If they've gone back twenty meters, waiting for you to kick, and are going back thirty, and you quick tap, and they oh, stop. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, just, I love possibly him so much thought he might him. not miss. He might miss touch again. One of him. One worry. I once um, saw him. I, I've I've mentioned this to you before, but I, I once saw Benji take a quick tap a meter out from his own line at Leichhardt, <laughs> and it just. <laughs> but the great thing about it was he got called back. So. <laughs> I was on the hill absolutely baying for it because I saw him come swooping over to grab the ball when the penalty was going or on here. And he, t- and he took the quick tap and bolted and the ref blew it up and he's really blowing at the ref. No, 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 it was on. It's <laughs> so good. From the um... yard out in the corner too. <laughs> oh, dear. I, it was so good to see him again at his, at his young best. All I thought was when I watched him, there was one time in the first half where he nearly sliced through for them or he nearly set someone up. And I remember thinking, I looked at it and I thought, I'd forgotten how frenetic he was. There's this, oh. the, the way I describe Benji is that it looks like every time he gets the ball, it looks like he has five ideas and changes his mind four times. So he gets the ball and he's like, this looks on and he'll take a step in that direction. Then he goes, actually, I should probably do this. And changes, and it's like stutter, stutter, swoop, step that way. Back. And it's not all part of a sequence. It's it's like he literally comes up with all these ideas and half yeah. tries to execute all of them <laughs> and then sort of eventually selects one very late in, in the play. Isn't it? Like there's no one, yeah. there's never been a great player that, you know, there's people that... You know, they talk about like, great players yeah, have always, yeah. great players have got time. He's yeah. almost like in his early stages, he was like that. When, at the end, when he was coming yeah. off the bench for South, that was him. He had that like Jay, late Jason Smith time of like, yeah. I'll just get this, hold it up, hold it up, put someone through. But in his youth, he didn't. He he had time, but he had fifty ideas with what to do with it. And yeah, was trying to do them all at once and, and rushed the final one. After yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of it. It's never been a great play like that. Like for all the, if you watched a highlight reel of tries, you would see some similarities, rightfully, with say a Sean Johnson and guys like that, and even a, a Ponga, like with the footwork and stuff. But it misses. Like, like I don't think anyone who's ended up a great player has had that same stuttering, sort of almost just not clue what they're about to do when he gets the ball. It, it, it's unbelievable. It, he does it in the. Yeah. He does it in the third minute. There's a moment where I just wrote down, Jesus Christ, Benji. Where yeah. he gets, it's like the third minute of the World Cup final, and he gets it on the edge. Hop, hop, skip, jump, prop, step, and like just starts running completely sideways and ends up like on the touchline about to get shoved out and has to turn it back under. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, wonderful. Got to have a crack. Uh, so he takes the quick tap, gets them mm. up there, uh, and then Ohio, Lance Ohio, gets the ball flat at the line, 10 metres out. Goes straight through Lockyer mm. and crashes over to score, uh, and it's the first kind of like 
normal looking try that New Zealand have scored. And it makes it 16 all. Luke yeah. gives the goal 18 16. And the game, I have to say, has a different feeling now. It does actually feel like a contest of the equals. It's not, it, it, the actual momentum has changed. New Zealand seemed to believe a little bit more. There's a bit more kind of consistent intensity about it. Um, and it feels like Australia have found themselves yeah. suddenly in a game. Yeah, from from here, the momentum really goes for them for a period. Um, I had a note on the try, if, if you don't mind, um, mm. and I hope people don't take this the wrong way. Cause I'm no, not go on. No, no, no. I, I do want to temper it a little bit, but I, I don't want to upset. There's a lot of very big uh, Queensland contingency that are real lockier truthers for immortality mm-hmm. and everything else. And I just I do want to make a point that outstanding player deserves to be in that conversation and everything else, but a lot of people are really dismissive when you try and compare Fitlers and these guys to him. And I do want to say that this, if you want to be talked about as the best ever, which is a conversation he rightfully comes into, you do have to pick what flaws people have. And that's not saying he wasn't great. It's just his, his defense, like this is awful. Like it's really weak. It's really weak arm stuck out defense. And that is the knock that people who are a bit more impartial. And I do count myself in that because I've no problem with him. And I'm not that state biased, to be honest with you, is that people who are a bit more impartial. The knock on him is he was a really weak defender compared to the other people at his level. If you go through who played the game in the halves, that is an all time great in his period in the game. You've got uh, right at the start, there's daily sort of still playing, um, who was a, a hitman. You got Brad Fittler, who was like he was like a Mack truck, he was a forward. Then you've got Andrew Johns, um, and then you've got Thurston. Yeah. Um and 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 I Thurston, like Fittler and 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 Daly and Johns were actual not only not targets in defense, they were actually people you might want to avoid running at. They were that good at it. Um and Thurston, whilst he wasn't someone you you did try and tire him out. You did run him. He wasn't a hit man. He was incredibly good at making his tackles. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, that's just the thing. He's Thurston competitive and, a, yeah. He wasn't a target, really. Like, he wasn't a weakness no. in the defence. You ran him to tire him out, not because you thought he'd miss tackles. Like, yeah. Andrew Johns used to dump forwards, pick up yeah. forwards and dump them and all that stuff. And Thurston didn't, didn't do that. But yeah. he, he didn't miss many. I, he, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a weakness in the line. No, no. Here, I think, was. Yeah, that, that's right. Like Johns and Fittler and those guys, you actually would avoid running out because you get hurt. Um, with Thurston, you ran at him to tire him out because he was so good, but you didn't run at him thinking he was actually going to miss them. He was um, tough. He and, was and really, really he, tough. he was. That competitiveness was there and he didn't miss a lot and he went low and he put his body on it. And Lockyer missed a lot of tackles. And it might be because he was a fullback for a large part of his career that he never had to develop that. But it's just at that level. Like, like they lose this game and hey, – that is just a tackle that shouldn't be missed by a player who's in that level of conversation. And that is the knock that people will have is when you talk about it, defense is half the game. It's an, it's an easy trope to make, but it is, you do have to tackle people and it, it's a bad miss. And it's one that he did a bit of in his career in the the halves. People would run at him and and he'd miss tackles. And at a bad time uh, because it gives, it gives New Zealand a lot of encouragement. They get 18, 16 in front. Uh, they they then a couple of minutes later there's this mad helter skelter on last tackle that ends mm. rather gloriously with Benji spinning around and chipping um, to David Williams who just runs it straight back at the New Zealanders and gets dragged into touch. I love a drag into touch. It's one of the best things in the game. A yeah. Really big, yeah. When a team is when a team is coming for you and they like yeah. get someone from quite a long way in field and there's a big pile on and it becomes clear yep. gradually that they're going out. And everyone yep. gets up back slapping. It was great. Mm. There was really a few things. 
I, I thought that was a, a yeah. The Benji, firstly, the great moment in that was when the ball hits the ground and Benji Marshall gets it without much space. Is always yeah. thrilling. He gets it, it. It bounces back near a touchline. You know, on when they've madly thrown it out the back on last, and you watch, he starts propping and spinning, and you just sit up a bit because you're like, yeah. either, either team could score here. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, anything could happen. <laughs> and he ends up like prop, step, hop, and puts in an awful kick. Um, and I, I got to say, I really enjoyed this drag out. I wrote in my notes like "F you, Wolfman," um, yeah. because I, I have a, I, I'm a, I'm a real sort of purist. I, I hate. I hate the bolter thing. Like I hate yeah, I people know. that shouldn't get in there. And 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 I really took personally the Wolfman making rep football because he was he was absolutely appalling for New South Wales. Like it cost him an Origin series or two. It was terrible, and um, might have been one. But I just remember it was bad in several games. It might have been the one series. Um, and and he he had no business being in the Australian team. Like he he had a good season for Manly, but like, he was just the winger on the end of a like yeah. really good team. Was he on and, the Steve Bell side or the Jamie Lyon side? I mean, either way. Yeah, you know. I think it was Jamie Lyon. He yeah. played right wing, so he yeah. would have been outside Jamie Lyon. And he um, he just, it, was, it, was one of, I, I, it sounds silly now, but there was all this hype about him. And all I used to think was that uh, you would never have got picked in this team if you didn't have a beard. That's I remember so when I'm picking him. Because so he, he had that stupid, he doesn't have it in this game, um, but he had that Wolfman beard for the sea, that big beard. And everyone was like, oh, he's the Wolfman. He's only young, but look at that beard. Oh, it's really. And, mm-hmm. and if he didn't have the beard, I don't no. think he plays for Australia. I know this that is, sounds this dumb. Is what I call the, uh, this is what I call the Keith Galloway matrix. Um, mm. If Keith Galloway wasn't a redhead, he would never have become a cult hero and would never have got picked for New South Wales. Yeah, I, I can back that. It is. It does help get that profile when you've got something mm. unusual going on. And, you know, he became the wolf. Even now, we're calling him the wolf man. We're not calling him David Williams, like, right? It, it's this. And I had, I took really personally him. No problem with him now. And I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely bloke. But I yeah. took really personally him being in. And so taking him go out, I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, F off. I'd get off the field while you're at it. Like, let someone get out there. He should be playing for yeah, Australia. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's right. Um, but it doesn't actually lead to anything. But it is a bit. It feels like a big moment in the game because they have oh. noticeably lifted New Zealand. Like they're in now. Yeah. They, they think they can win this. They think it's a fair shootout. My notes say all of a sudden they're monstering them. It's yeah. out of nowhere. They've scored that her higher try. This is happening. You go, oh, they're they're on top. They're coming. And and all of that could have been punctured a few minutes later because New Zealand, Australia have a real near miss when Glenn Stewart makes a great hard line, like run on the – he had a really good game, by the way, Glenn Stewart. He was involved mm. in a couple of really good things. Good um, yeah, but he, he takes a really nasty hard line, uh, half breaks through, throws a flick pass out the back, and Falau is held up. Lance Ohio is one of the great hold-ups. I've got no idea how he did this. Mm. Keeps him off the ground. Uh, keeps uh, Keeps New Zealand's lead. And then there is just an appalling decision against Australia. <laughs> Where yeah, yeah. they're the worst calls of the whole game. They, they they put a kick through and Sam Perrett picks it up and is driven back in goal with full momentum, completely fairly, and they blow it up and give a penalty. Australia are completely incredulous. It's a dreadful call. But from that... He, he, it's a shocker. Yeah. He, starts, he only he starts five metres out. They haven't pulled him back very far. And when you watch the replay... He never stops moving. They have him at full tilt. And yeah. for no reason, when he's about 30 centimetres from the try line and moving at a rate of knots, like call flying help. backwards, they just yell out help. And and if, if they stopped and dropped and let go at exactly that moment, simultaneously to the held thing, he still would have ended up in the end goal. It was just completely impossible. It was a terrible happened, call. It was one of the moments in the game where I was just, I was just imagining 
Ricky Stewart in the coach's box <laughs> on the sideline. Side yeah, just like oh, God, we'll, some chairs we'll, would have been hard. Oh, we'll come to we'll come to Ricky Stewart later on uh, at the conclusion of all of this. But yes, that was a, a shocker of a call, and it became more important than it might have because from that set, uh, New Zealand roll the ball downfield, get to about halfway, put a pretty routine kick down to mm. um, best fullback possibly best player in the game, Billy Slater. He catches it on the run, very neat bit of skill. It's all routine up to this point. And uh, he looks up and sees Manu Vatavai in front of him and maybe 25 centimetres of space and says, mm. you know what, I reckon I fancy that. Um, and well, I that think, mistake number one. Yeah. And I think everybody listening to this podcast will remember what happens next. Yeah, so he takes on in a completely non-existent blindside, mistake number one. Uh, the person standing 25 centimetres from the sideline steps towards him to throw him out. And despite being sort of 10, 15 metres from his own line and the fullback, in response to going out, and he's not touched, he's pushed out. So he's pushed. There's no one actually touching him. He's been pushed. He's going out. He flings at one arm back over his own head, <laughs> uh, back 10 metres so that it lands about, two or three metres out from the try line, which we will probably call mistake number two. Yeah. Um, and Benji Marshall just picks it up and uh, then for some reason runs it over the try line and runs it away from the post an extra metre wider. Why would he do that? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think before, before we get to the Slater error, I think we need to cover this. Benji gets it maybe three metres in from the <laughs> touch line. And there isn't room to run in. There's someone coming. But for some reason, he runs away from them. He's in the in goal and takes three steps towards the sideline and puts it, it down further era? out. Wasn't and then a, kicks it himself. Has there been, get a, it. Has been a better three months for wacky put-downs by New Zealand teams? This is this is barely a couple of months after the Michael Witt miracle against Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. I've got no idea why he did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the goal kicker. He makes his own yeah. kick harder. Luke's off the field. So, That's right. Uh, but to the Slater thing, um, yeah. it's the worst error in the history of international rugby league. Yeah. A bit, like seriously, like uh, there, there. This is a game deciding in the end. Well, hang on. Mistake. Sorry, I, as soon as you said that, I yeah. was taken back. My, <laughs> so I will. Uh, you're right, but also as soon as you said error in the international rugby league, I immediately thought of Darren Lockyer's testaboo because he <laughs> well, remember that at yeah. that game where he buggered up off that kick and New Zealand came yeah. and scored. And the only reason I think of it is that. That moment has been etched in my mind ever since because being in Newcastle, well, I was absolutely feral at the idea of Robbie O being taken off for anyone, much less this imposter from the Broncos. And uh, so that that moment has a huge significance to me uh, yeah. to this day. <laughs> no, yes. I enjoyed that too. Um, yeah, these, but I anyway. I said this Lockyer, his career's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, this bloke, they've made a mistake yes, here. No, being back Robbie O. That, that certainly, I think it was um, – it, it was – Calamitous, but but this, there's never no, been a worse is... error. There's never been a more critical mistake made by someone in an international game, and to be made by one of the all-time greats of, of of the sport and probably the best player on the field and everything else who'd had a really good game. Um, it, yeah. it is monumental, and it's changed sort of almost the history. Like they might not be playing the World Cup if Australia had to come out and beaten them by thirty points. That you know what I mean? Like no. might have gone away for another twenty years. They'd quit like multiple times before this. Yeah, it, it. it's um they might no, not be playing right. it. Like that's, that's true. Australia and beats them by thirty. Billy, Billy Slater <laughs> may have saved international rugby league. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> might be his greatest contribution of all. It's incredible. I just I remember watching it. I, I remember going, wait, wait, what? Like Billy Slater, this was 
this was the peak of the Billy Slater era. We watched mm. we watched that Melbourne versus uh, Warriors game for an earlier podcast, that yeah. semi-final where the Warriors beat them, and we both said, isn't it noticeable how they don't talk about Cameron Smith as the threat? The player mm. that everyone has to worry about is Billy Slater. He yeah. was the best player in the game at this point. He was the, yeah. he was the guy. Um, and for him to have done this was astounding. Yeah, it is. And you're now at a point where you've got Lockyer's dropped the ball over the try line and then conceded one, and now Slater's done that. I mean, it is a little triggering as a New South Wales fan who sat through eight series in a row and thought none of them ever did anything like this, like yeah, ever, well, in, an or- <laughs> in an origin game, and they've all conspired to sort of do it, because Thurston makes about three knock-ons in this game as well, and you're looking at these <laughs> guys... caught go, on last and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but none of these guys ever did this in, a, in an origin game ever, and have conspired to do all of it um, against New Zealand. But, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's the biggest one sort of ever. Uh, Benji misses the goal, unsurprisingly, and, and at this point, this is probably... You think they're coming before, but at this point you're like, oh, this might they might not get out of this. It's just, it probably before this, as bad as it's going, oh, they've got the momentum. You sort of think they'll get they just it's, you, they'll get out of it, right? Yeah, they they'll get too out much, of it. They got too First much. First will dummy yeah. and go through, or Lockyer will do something and they'll get out of this. And, and all of a sudden, that, you're like, they might not. Yeah, and it's twenty two sixteen, and it would have been a helpful goal to kick. But mm. five minutes later, Australia get a penalty in the middle of the park. Get up there. Swing it left, Lockyer through a beautiful Harvard Bridge ball mm. over to Inglis. Beautiful. Inglis strolls over, 22-20, 15 minutes to go, kick to kick to go level. You go, oh, well, you know, mm. like this is um, – they're still – you still want to be on them. when Once Inglis scores, they're, oh, they'll still win. Yeah. Like, they're not going to um, – but Thurston misses the kick by a mile. Starts it out right. This never comes – like, it's the old swinger without the swing. Again – uh, he yeah. just kicks that goal for Queensland, like, right? Mm. Every time they were down by two or something and like, the game was is... coming, he just wouldn't have missed that, did he? Like, in his again, whole origin career, he didn't miss that. Again, like, like mm. the status of the World Cup, like, this is 15 yeah. minutes to go in the World Cup final kick to level the scores. Mm. And nobody brings this up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, nobody talks about he would be regarded as a great clutch player, Jonathan, yeah. in the way that somebody who missed uh, – penalty in the last 10 minutes of the football world, the soccer world cup final wouldn't be regarded as one of the great clutch players if they'd missed that, you know? Or yeah. It, yeah. It, well, it, it's true. It, it, the Slater thing as well. I mean, yeah, think about the are, Justin not... Hodges, the Justin Hodges in goal passes. Uh, think about how much airtime that gets over Billy Slater um, actually doing it. You know, like that's a best of three series origin that Hodges threw the in goal passes in for tries. Like Slater cost Australia like an actual, you know, World Cup in the final in a one-off game. That does not get any... I, I, in fact, have never heard someone bring that up when they say Billy Slater. You'll still get a lot of people talk about Justin Hodges or mention the, the yeah. worst origin debut ever and stuff. Well, I mean, Paul Carriage, dare I say. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is what... The, 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 the Slater thing is worse than anything Paul Carriage ever did. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. just, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would have been if he did it another three times in the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're you're fundamentally very right, and you're right. It is a thing is that uh, which I think we'll get to at the end. But they have it's almost written out of these great players' records, um, mm. which is a little bit unfair. Um, it is. It just doesn't so, have any. It doesn't. It's not. Mm. Doesn't carry any weight. It doesn't. There's no counterweight for the fact that these things happen. You've now got. Mm. You've now got. You think about those great Queensland players, mm. like that that that, that are talked about as immortals and all this. Slater has thrown that pass. Thurston mm. has missed the missed the goal yeah. by a mile to level the scores of 15 to go. And Lockyer has dropped the ball over the line and missed a tackle straight up clean, yeah. clean miss against Ohio for a try. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And then the last 10 minutes, 
we, we just said, oh, at 22-20, you still think they're going to get there. The last 10 minutes, it just disintegrates. It, mm. The whole, the Australian tilt just unravels. Um, with 10 minutes to go, uh, New Zealand get a penalty to get them up the field. About about 20 metres out, Fiend puts a grubber through. Uh, the ball, Monaghan is coming across in a routine way to, to pick it up. And the ball just <laughs> explodes out just of the ground. Up. It's up. like it's like a grenade went or like like it hit a landmine and it just blows up um, out of nowhere. Monaghan realizes that he's not going to get there. Lance Ohio is chasing through, so Monaghan goes, "Oh well, I'll just tackle him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it hits his thing. shoulder. So it hits his yeah. It blows up, hits his shoulder, and as he's turning, he realizes he's going to be overtaken by Ohio, and he just takes him out. Yeah. Um, and and it is it's another kind of miracle event in this game, yeah. but the second miracle happens when the video referee gets involved. Yeah. Uh, and despite the attention of Billy Slater, who was covering, uh, and despite the fact that nobody, even on the New Zealand commentary team, nobody is paying for a penalty try, uh, the referee awards a penalty try. This is an awful video awful referee decision. Idea awful like this is an appalling decision like this is one of the yeah. worst decisions i've seen in a big game ever like ever in a game of this magnitude this is a terrible mistake there's you always get debates over penalty tries and stuff would he have got there and how certain you got to be because you get people saying you have to be like you get all these people basically applying the criminal standard of proof and saying you're beyond yeah. reasonable doubt like and yeah. wanting like an 11 person jury to see if anyone has any doubt over whether this person scores and they start going oh well it was bouncing so you can't guarantee he doesn't drop it putting it down they start coming up with all these weird continue like an airplane could have flown across distracted him and he might not have put it down you get all these weird things but fundamentally yeah. Mentally, when you're in front and it's there, you're, you are entitled to make the assumption they score. But he faces the very large obstacle that Billy Slater is, if not closer to the ball than him, than equal than him. And there are still shots that very clearly show that Billy Slater is at least as close to the ball as he is yes. and faster than anyone who isn't Darren Albert to ever live. So, like, yep. it's a fairly good chance of getting there. Um, you're right. No one calls for it. The Kiwi commentators don't call for it. Not it. Not they don't even predict it won't be. They just don't really canvas the chance that it could be. They said, no, no, they just write it off. No, no, yeah, it would have been 10 no. in. And that yeah. alone feels like a big deal, right? Like if this, this explosion explosion yeah. bounce of the ball leads to New Zealand being, yeah. uh, leads to Australia being down to 12 while trying to chase the game, that would have been a huge stroke of good luck on its own. Yeah, yeah. But instead... It's a sin bin, but that, that, that yeah. is a, there is no question mark over that decision. It is outright wrong, outright wrong. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, it's a try. And they obviously, quite importantly, given the way Benji kicks, they also get to kick the goal in front of the post. Yeah, twenty-eight twenty, if you don't mm. mind. And suddenly, like their age in front was ten to go. Like, it, it, yeah, um, it's not Australia are going to get out of this. It's now Australia. This will be this. This will be a great comeback if they get out of this. It's yeah, the first, it's the first time. Even as dumb as it sounds, with ten minutes to go, it's the first time that you really believe that New Zealand are the favourites to win. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's an interesting from there is that Australia try a lot on and they make some half breaks and stuff. But what's really interesting was the frenetic way they played. They looked panicked and they looked like a team that didn't think they were going to win. And it was really panicked and ropey and quite at odds with how I perceive Lockyer and Thurston and those and, and Cameron Smith and the calmness we associate with them. They start playing like that, you know, when you're watching the NRL and the the teams on like a team on tilt that's not that good falls behind and they start yeah. 
bad shifts on every play. Like there's no calm down, take two good hit ups, win the ruck and then spread. It was all really that panicked every day throwing it around. Um, and I thought it was a bit oh, scattered, it, wasn't it? It was and really scattered. It's it almost have, like it didn't have that any calm energy to it. It felt to me like they just all of a sudden went, "Hang on, what's what's happening here?" Like it, yeah. It's all there was such a series of unfortunate events that got them into that situation. Yeah, they were quite. They looked quite rattled by everything that had happened. Yeah, um, and suddenly they are absolutely chasing the game, even with with ten to go. Uh, they very nearly do so to good effect because Thurston slices through mm. uh, on a on a quick shift as they start hoiking the ball around, and it's a magnificent ankle tap for Jeremy mm. Smith to get into ground. Well back um, to well behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He gets yeah, um, across and clips him, and Thurston goes down. Uh, then there's a um, then there's a, a a flick pass from Israel Folau, which I have only put in my notes. They're like seventy meters away from the try line. I've only put it in my notes because Jason Costigan, to his enormous credit, says the Gidley type flick from Folau. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, nothing happens. I just had to mention it. <laughs> I was waiting. I was hoping you weren't going to try and skip past it. Um, mm-hmm. Wolfman gets really stupidly bundled out off it. Yeah, um, they turn it over. Takes on it. a blindside that's not on. But yeah, thank. Beautiful commentary, the Gidley type flick. The first one's worth mentioning just because I think for all the crazy stuff that happens in a game, one reason they win is that Thurston show and goes or dummies maybe eight or nine times in this game, and every single time the guy on the inside just gets him. This is the first time he goes through and a guy scramble covers and ankle taps him. Every other time, um, there's all second rows. It's Farlongo, it's Bronson Harrison, it's all these guys. They're on the inside. Thurston does the dummy to slice and he gets a bit of space and they always come across and just get him. There's never that lazy moment at any point because he used to pounce on that. Do it all game and you're lazy once and he eats you. This isn't old Thurston calmly steering you around. This is like running halfback Thurston. Oh, yeah, he was was lethal. Yeah, he was, was, the first half of his career, like, as good as he was at the end, I I enjoyed watching him the first half a lot more when he was running, like, good as he was at the end, the running half days was unbelievable and that he keeps doing it. He does everything right in terms, he makes some errors, but he does all the right plays. He runs them and they just avoid ever slipping off. No one ever misses him. Especially in the second half, some of the tries they conceded in the first half are quite weak. The yeah. New Zealand, the New Zealand tries that, uh, yep. sorry, the the tries that New Zealand concede. Concede, yeah. A couple of them are quite poor. Uh, yep. In the second half, the whole effort of the team lifts noticeably. Yeah. Uh, and they start saving, they start like ankle tapping and making cover tackles and all that sort of thing, and it, and it really, they shut a lot of things down, which in the first half were working. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that as well also starts to rattle the Australians because it looks like they're playing a different team. Uh, and then suddenly, as Australia have had a couple of cracks at them and not been able to break through, suddenly um, the longest video referee consultation in history, I think it might be. But uh, New Zealand score again. Nathan Fiend is caught with the ball on last. Um, it, like beautiful game management. Um, hoists it out the back to Benji, who really could have done anything at this point, but decides to bomb to Vaduve's side, the ball is the ball comes down, and this is the last the, the last miracle of this game, because this this the, the ball lands on the ground and bounces off about four different legs from both teams, and somehow after all of it, with this pinballing, it just falls into the hands of Adam Blair, who picks, scoops it up one handed, a yard out and walks over the try line and puts it down. And after an extremely long video referee consultation, is awarded the try. And from a scoreline of 22-20, 
after 15, with 15 minutes to go, New Zealand are 14 points in front when the goal goes over. Mental. It's, um, it's the most insane. I've never seen more ricochets on a try. And I think what needs to be noted, sure, there was a lot of legs, but the key point, and, and it just needs to be said, is that three separate ricochets are off the Wolfman separately. Yes. He jumps in the air for the ball and Vatavai bats it back. You know, it goes for a bat yep. back. Because everyone thinks this isn't going to be a try because they assume someone's dropped it. There's just that much going on. You just yeah. not. But Vatavai goes to hit it back and it sort of just goes back. It on the way down hits the wolfman on the shoulder. Then it goes into the ground. Then the warriors, like it hits a warrior, goes back into the wolfman in front of him, into his body, bounces back forward, and then someone kicks it, and it then hits the wolfman again, bounces back, and that's when Adam Blair picks it up. All the ricochets are separately. It goes warrior, <laughs> wolfman, warrior, wolfman, warrior, wolfman, all different warriors. <laughs> All different warriors with, with all off Wolfman who hasn't moved within 10 steps of That's his starting point and hasn't done anything wrong, may I add. Like, I'm all mm. like, I was all for shit canning him, but he hasn't actually, in none of, none of this is anything he's done incorrectly. The ball just goes up and it just keeps bouncing like, yeah. around in this. It is, it's not space right. around him. It's just this pinball, and, and then it just, of all the places that it could have gone, it goes yeah. right into the path of Adam Blair. Um, and he sticks his hand out, and on another day, he might have dropped it because he's a front rower, but he just picks it up like. Yeah. yeah, just one-handed off you go and just strolls over. They don't even really celebrate that hard because I think they all assume that it's not going to be a try. Um, yeah. But but after all of the looks and all of the forensic analysis, uh, I had this at two and a half minutes and uh, they finally award the try. Um, it's got to be said that, that that's the thing, isn't it, is that we now have the uh, rake try, the rake that goes forward 20 metres for New Zealand yeah. to pick up and run away with, the penalty try that is... Oh, you know, incredibly contentious. Yeah. Uh, and then this, which is insane. So we have three tries you wouldn't expect to see more than a couple of times a season all no. happen within, you know, one game and two of which happen within 10 minutes. Well, and, um, and, 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 also, they, and also the Slater Hoyk, right? And the Slater Hoyk, yeah. The Slater Hoyk, yeah, like I forgot, that's four. Yeah. And that that's, yeah, and that, those are in 15 sort of minutes at each other. So those three are just... Incredible to have all four. And that's not to take, I'm not trying to suggest New Zealand were lucky to win. I mean, Monaghan would have been in the bin and they'd have been in front with 10 to go with a player in the bin. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not suggesting even that that call changes the game. I just mean an incredible amount of odd things. Yeah. It, it is such a, if you were an Australian supporter, you would just be saying, God, how many more things? Like, how, it, yeah. This is how many things had to go wrong for us to lose. Is, it would be the, the feeling, I would think. Um, it is extra. It's unbelievable. It, it is. There are so many. Like what you said is absolutely right. There are so many tries that happen a couple of times a year that all happen in the World Cup final for the same yeah. team. Yeah, it's a very, um, very uh, twenty eighteen to twenty twenty two Canberra Raiders sort yes. of win. As, a, as you expect, the Raiders, the Raiders get a lot of stuff like this where they just work so hard that when weird stuff happens, they just inevitably capitalize on it. Rubbers yeah. hit people's legs and offloads hit the deck and they're always there about to passes, take advantage bounce of it. Off, passes bounce off people's heads into the yeah, end goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. All that. And, and it's, um, it's not to call it luck because you do, I, it, it, there's a reason that the team keeps benefiting from it is because they do all the, like they chase everything and they work hard and, you know, high has got to chase that kick off Mont, like, but bounce is funny. It doesn't mean anything if you don't hair after it and yeah. be in a position to score. Like, you've got to do all that right. But it's just still – you watch it sometimes and think, how is this all happening at once? <sighs> That's what I thought watching it. I was like, how did all of these things happen at the same time? Mm. Uh, from there, I mean, the, the last five minutes, 
against all expectations are just a victory lap. I mean, it's all over. They just yeah. Um, there's the, the last kind of <laughs> significant moment of the game. Slater surges down the left edge and hurls the ball into touch, uh, just to put a cherry on his evening. And that's mm. it. New Zealand start hugging. It's all over. They, oh, it's so really... funny. The commentary is what I've got in the last five minutes. It gets so lippy. You start to get yeah. real lippy. Like, and good on him. But there's, there's, there's this real like bounce in the step and lippiness and a bit of and like oh you know maybe Ricky Stewart was a bit sounded a bit confident in that press conference yesterday yeah. and then I think they say oh remember when they said yesterday he's got a job for life wonder yeah. if that holds and it's always wonderful <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good I love it like they're really giving it back yeah it's that frustration well there was, yeah that's right Ricky Stewart um what I was what I mentioned earlier we talked about the refereeing and some of the things that went wrong uh, it's fair to say Ricky didn't take this very well. I'm surprised um, to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> so am I. Um, thankfully, uh, you're right that he did the day before the the day before the game. There was a headline in the Courier Mail: "Ricky chases job for life." Um, and Jeff Carr, Australian Rugby League chief executive, said, "I think it would be safe to say, given his record, the job is Ricky's as long as he wants it." But uh, after the game, that was not quite the case because. Uh, he, he, well, bitter, Ricky, uh, bitter Kangaroos coach Ricky Stewart faces a fine from World Cup organisers after referee Ashley Klein and a top England official alleged they were abused by him as they were checking out of their hotel the day after his side's shock defeat by New Zealand in the final. Mm. The Herald was told yesterday Stewart had also abused ARL chairman and tournament director Colin Love in the Australian dressing mm. room after the match before turning on Klein and Rugby, League, Rugby Football League director of referee Stuart Cummings as they were preparing to depart for Brisbane Airport on Sunday afternoon. Klein and Cummings were getting out of a lift at the Holiday Inn with their bags at about 12.15 on Sunday mm. when they alleged they were confronted by a still enraged Stuart who was in the foyer with his family. Um, the quote, as I understand it, the quote which appeared in one of the news articles was, there's the C star star T who cost us the World Cup. <laughs> Which is a great thing to yell out in a hotel lobby. I got to tell you, <laughs> surrounded by your family. Yeah, um, yeah it's so. Um, I, can I say firstly, not his go. No, well, thankfully, we've talked yeah. before about how the, this this whole cemetery project is a way to track change and growth and development yeah. in the game. And thankfully, in twenty twenty two, we yeah. don't have these sort of unsavoury incidents of Ricky Stewart going out in public and saying outrageous things about people. No, he's cha- no. you know he he's reformed. He's he's past all of this sort of thing. Yeah. These emotional outbursts targeted at individuals who he perceives to have wronged him. Yeah, and the and officialdom for that matter. You'd have never That's caught him in this right. preseason saying it's another example of the Canberra Raiders copping it up the arse, for example. Like, <laughs> he never said that in twenty twenty two to the league. And he accused um, the he accused the ARL of like conspiring to to stop Australia from winning it. <laughs> That's so good. A uh, tournament look, director. I, yeah. I, look, there was some. I thought they they did, definitely didn't get the rub of the green, but I I, I didn't get the sense of cons, outright conspiracy uh, yeah. from the game. That that is wonderful. I I am I, um, I'm a very big critic of Ricky, as you know, from a coaching point of view. But I will miss him immensely when he's gone. Because far yeah. out, so funny. He's just so angry. Yeah, yeah. I love like there's you know I understand being upset. Like the fact that he hadn't calmed down enough not to accost like them publicly. Yeah, <laughs> the next day is so good. That's oh, fantastic. Um, did you have anything else on the game? Uh, no, the, uh, no, I don't. Um, I don't. I only to mention that uh, it was <laughs> Darren Lockyer after the game. They did the presentation. Darren Lockyer is announced as man of the match. 
Uh, really? And so he, yeah. And so he gets up on the stage and gives a speech as man of the match. Yeah. Thank you to all the, you know, congratulations. To New Zealand. He's very gracious. You know, he's obviously disappointed. But congratulations. To New Zealand, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they, then they award Billy Slater player of the tournament, which was a nice touch. <laughs> so he gets up on stage. I bet he was happy to receive that award after the last 20 minutes that he had. So he gets player of the tournament. And then, and this is beautiful. They just they weren't nimble enough to change the run order, so they then invite Darren Lockyer as captain of the losing team to get up and make a second speech. <laughs> and so he gets up, looks completely unimpressed, like really unhappy, and has to then, like he said everything that you're supposed to say after a match like this in his yeah. first speech, and then has to get up and make a second set of extemporaneous remarks. And he's just like, you can see him running through his head thinking, who else can I thank? Like I've thanked everyone ends up thanking like the sponsors and the government and all this kind of stuff <laughs> just for something to say and then goes and is finally allowed to go and sit down before Nathan Kalis comes up to collect the trophy. Presented, by the way, by uh, uh, then Queensland Premier, now banking lobbyist Anna Bly. Really? Anna mm. Bly. Can I, can I tell you that I find Darren Lockyer being given player of the final absolutely disgusting and the height of the ridiculous australian focus century arrogance that has come yeah. into international rugby league for a long, long time, since probably about the 70s and 80s when they skipped away from England. Um, the complete contempt they have for, or we have, I suppose, as in I am from here, um, for the international sport is just yeah. a disgrace. Like the idea that you, that they lost that, they just lost the, like a game that they were raging hot favourites to win, 34-20. They lost 34-20 in a final of a World Cup that they were red-hot favourites to win, and you have given man of the match to a player on the losing side. He scored two tries. There was someone on the winning side who scored two tries. So if you were going to, like, say it's hard to judge who the best player on the field was, and that's not it, by the way. That's, no, but he also, that, that's he also dropped Lockyer's... the ball for a try that would yeah, have kicked them out to 6 yes. nil, and he also missed a tackle. One in. Let, yeah, yeah he, this isn't in Darren Lockyer's top 50 games no. that he's played at all. And if you lose by 14 points in a, in a World Cup, uh, you know, final, uh, if someone, it, you have to have been very good to have possibly got anywhere near man of the match and you shouldn't really get it anyway. Yeah. It's not, that's not a close loss. And that is, it's, it's really disgraceful to take the moment that New Zealand deserved to have. A New Zealand, a New Zealand player in that team deserves to have walked home with what would be a pretty outstanding achievement to have been the best player in the World Cup final. They remember forever. And it's been taken from them, from someone who won't even remember or enjoy it. Like I doubt he gets a lot of joy out of taking home player of the World Cup final no, in a exactly. game that they got beat with as the Australian captain. I doubt it's a fond memory. I'm not saying he isn't proud to have gotten it, but I doubt that he looks back fondly. Oh, I remember when I won this. Like, no, exactly. We talked about some of the players on, on the New Zealand side. I mean, Rapira, like, he would never have got elected, but was fantastic and a really big part of the win in the game. Yeah. Even her higher, like her higher scores one is the player two. who he has to be taken yeah. out for the penalty try. Yeah. Um, he also... Uh, Holds up for Lau when, yeah. when, like at a really important time in the game, this this fantastic hold up. Um, that you know, it's. Do you think he didn't get it because one of his tries was a penalty try that just doesn't look as good? Yeah, probably. I think you know if what he mean? gets there and puts that down. Maybe he, maybe he gets yeah. it. Yeah, but he yeah. he also did more for his try the, the one he scored than Lockyer did in either of his because Lockyer supported both his tries. Like, yeah, he's in the off break. Yeah, gets which the is last nothing, pass and scores. Which yeah, like you said, it's nothing against him. But Ho Higher has to like gets it and dummies past someone and 
And I, you know, I, I assumed he'd have got it because of that, but it, it's just, I, it's something that leaves a bit, bit of a bad taste in my mouth that I, I almost guarantee that it was picked by Australians. And, and I don't, I just don't think it's appropriate. I, and I don't even think you should get a vote on it. I, no, I know if you're going to win from a losing team, it's got to be a really close game. Yeah. It's, it's like in the origin series when Slater got man of the series, when New South Wales won the series and stuff. And it's like, to me, it, 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 if there's three games and you win two of them, I don't care what voting system comes in. It has to be someone from the winning side. And, and the same thing goes goes here in a World Cup final. I mean, if, if they had lost in Golden Point, whatever. But if there's a margin of double figures, I mean, fair income. It's it's just, just, it's it's the, I think it's just the availability kind of bias of... Yeah, it's just oh, would like big name players. Oh, Darren Lockyer scored two Lockheed, tries in the final. Yeah, yeah. It's he did, be he him. didn't have that good of a game. Like he was fine, well, but no, he, no, didn't, he didn't. No, he didn't. It was, and, and you know, he's a great player. Like he, profile mistakes. Yeah, yeah, he had good um, moments because he's an all-time great player. But it wasn't. I didn't come out of that going. Geez, Darren Lockyer was dangerous no. compared to normal. You know, no. Um, yeah, I that you're right. It was uh, it was very strange, but that's uh, that's all I had on the game. I. I uh, did you anything else you wanted to to raise about this match? Yeah. spectacle. Yes, there's a, a very quick editorial, and then I wanted to ask Go you on. a question. Okay. Editorial wise, I just wanted to put to you because you're you're a um you this know not, not to get get us hate mail from our New Zealand listeners, but you're, you're Morgs, he's a bit of a Warriors hater. Like he doesn't like having having the Warriors, and I've got to out him as a bit as he sort of always doesn't think the Warriors add that much to the competition, um, which I very much to our New Zealand friends disagree with. Um, no, no, but, no, um, what I what I have said is that. They're like they don't do the thing that like they they really fail to be. They've never been a factor. What they are supposed one, they're very rarely a factor in the comp, and yeah. two, they don't. Almost all the best New Zealand players don't start there. Yeah, you know, and so like, what are they doing if 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 they're not? They don't seem to produce the best New Zealand players. Someone else yeah. takes them. So it's like the whole reason that they got brought into the comp is oh, we'll be able to tap into New Zealand, but all the Sydney clubs get them. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. So, I, and I, I was going to what I was going to say was, is that the Warriors came into the comp in 1995, and I, I just want to make the point that even though they don't have the majority of the players in this game, again, go to your point, a lot of them come from Australia, and that's gone on. If you look at what happens, is that New Zealand were non-competitive with Australia before that, and if we then go through time, we then have ten years after they're in the comp, they win the Tri Nations. Um, New Zealand win the Tri Nations in England. Uh, Thirteen years after they're in the comp, New Zealand win the World Cup, and then they win the the Tri Nations or the, sorry, the Four Nations in two thousand and ten. So fifteen years after getting in. So if we we're going to talk about a purpose, I just wanted to say as a brief editorial, there is a bit of a timeline here with New Zealand's emergence as a team that could start to win international tournaments, albeit not with Warriors players. Like if you go through this, there are Warriors players in it, um, but the key, that, you know, like. Benji isn't, and Kalis isn't, and Blair isn't, and blah, blah, blah. There, there are quite a few Warriors in this compared to some other ones. But in key positions going forward, yeah, they probably haven't quite made up the bulk of that side. But whether it's more Kiwis have come through because there's been more interest in the game in New Zealand or they've been prepared to play, I don't know. But there does seem to be a link that New Zealand's emergence does come after the Warriors establish themselves in the competition. Um, well, it's and, just and by a the way, comment. Well, and by the way, everything that I've just said about the New Zealand Warriors, you could also apply to the Newcastle Knights, right? Yeah. Like they're yeah. not one; they're never competitive. They're never a factor in winning the comp. And two, they never 
all the best Newcastle players don't play for the Knights anymore. So like, yeah, anymore. Yeah, certainly not since certainly yeah. not since the two thousands. Yeah, since no, no, time, that, since that's right. Time and, the and, best New Zealand players played for New Zealand. Actually, they're, they're yeah. actually quite a similar trajectory for both of them. Yeah, I, I just wonder if maybe that there is more kids that maybe more Kiwis have come over to Australia because it's considered more of an option because the Warriors exist and they've been exposed. I don't know, but I don't mm. have an answer to that. I just wanted to put out there that it does seem to have improved New Zealand as a uh, as a nation in terms of uh, strength. And I, I wanted to put a question to you. Um, yes. You can answer this in whatever way you like. Well, I look forward um, to this. My thoughts are fairly on the record on some of these, so I'm going to throw it over to you. So. Australia, right, until 2005, basically hadn't lost in 30 years, basically, in any key tournaments. Um, they lose 2005 with, you know, I don't want to write it off, but they ran out Trent Barrett and Craig Gower in the halves that tournament. They didn't have Johns, they didn't have Lockyer. Um, Fittler just retired. They, 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 I think from memory, they had seven or eight players out and only two players from the grand final teams went over because of all these injuries and stuff. So yeah. they lose this final and it's, it's sort of the first time, right? Then after that, Having not lost in having not lost a key tournament before that since the seventies, you have a this result in a World Cup final, um, and you have there as we've talked about, you have Slater, Thurston, sorry Slater, Lockyer, Thurston, and Smith, all immortal talked about players, yeah. uh, and then this, in two thousand and ten, Australia just to prove it wasn't a fluke, two thousand and ten, New Zealand win the Four Nations final against Australia on home soil in Australia again. Um, with the only difference to that spine being Thurston was out, and we unfortunately were in the weakened position of having to pick Cooper Cronk. So they run out, mm-hmm. um, they run out, you know, Slater, uh, Lockyer, Cronk, Smith, and, and what I wanted to put you put to you was is a twofold question. One side of thing is this overlooked a little bit on both sides of the ledger. So is the influence is the fact that these all time immortal level players are the only players to fail for Australia ever in our lifetime. Seriously, ever. Yeah. Is that is that being overlooked a little bit? Because you hear them say they won eight Origin series in a row. They've got to be immortals. That, you know, Fittler never did this. John's never did this. You know, you know the immortals never did this, et cetera. Yeah. Um, is it overlooked a little bit? Is the place that international football have, is that meaning we are actually glossing over that there are a big, lip on the record of Cameron Smith and Darren Lockyer, who captained both, and Slater. And on the other hand, do we underestimate Marshall, who was the captain by 2010 when they, I'm pretty sure, when they do that, or at the very least the senior player and was had one of his best games ever in, in that final? Do we overlook that in a side that doesn't have a lot of stars, that that when we talk immortals and we talk all-time greats, this Queensland side never lost to New South Wales, but they didn't get around Benji in, in key tournaments this time. Is this... I guess what I'm getting at is, what does this mean? What do these mean for the legacy of these players? And have we got it right when we look back on them? Yeah, look, I think I think what it says is that uh, internationals, unfortunately, uh, just don't have the sort of weight that that they get taken into account in the same way. Because you're right, mm. of course you're right. You know, and um, if this was any other sport, uh, you know, you just wouldn't. There's just no way in the world you would. It, if, in fact, I, I can tell you this for sure that one of the real um, in 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 the round ball sport, one of the real strikes against Messi. People talk about Messi best ever, and the thing that always that people always come back with, yeah, yeah, no, no, he never did it for Argentina. You yeah. know what I mean? Never did it at the World Cup. You know, and that 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 matters a lot. Like that's a real that that's a real strike against him for people who yeah. um, want to have that debate. So it's interesting. I, I just don't think that that the international, that the World Cup has the kind of status that people take it into account. I think they should, absolutely. I yeah. mean, Smith, Cameron Smith, for example, one of the things I noticed very early in this game is when 
I think it's the I think it's the try that Lockyer knocks on off Smith's yep. kick. I don't know if you caught this, but when they show the back on replay, Smith is really whooping the fact that they've scored. Like he is not dialing mm. this in. He he cares. Like the yeah. he he is like celebrating like any grand final, any of it. There was no indication that they were going half pace. Slater is yeah. distraught about the the offload. Like mm. this is not you can't go, oh well, you know, they were only half going it or something like that. Like they they meant it. Thurston um, was spewing a few times too. Yeah, Knock, knocked on. He was roasting they, himself. They were they were at full pelt. It wasn't. They weren't. They didn't look to me mm. to be taking it any less seriously than Origin. They just lost. Yeah, and it, it's okay to in the sense that I don't say that because they lost a game that means they shouldn't be considered where they are. But I don't. It doesn't get spoken about. It's hard to say. You're right. It's hard to go. These guys are the best. These guys are the, among the best players ever. When their Australian team was really the only one ever that couldn't get this done. Yeah. And they're all there together. Yeah. You know, like if they're all the origin thing is it, isn't it? It's that everyone talks about how dominant they were at origin for their record, but we don't talk here. And I mean, to use a different example, like, I mean, to look on the other side of the ledger, Fitler and, and Johns, for example, won a world cup with an absolute rat crap squad in 95. They took half of the best players in the country out and, yeah. and they, they won against the odds so yeah you know you know what i mean like we don't get yeah. this to and fro where you go oh well you know fitler and johns and whoever didn't win eight origin series in a row playing against langer and walters and all this and you go yeah okay but you know these guys here they they actually why why is it not mentioned it, it is it's 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 it is a mark on because australia just doesn't lose no and they did and they have the other no. thing, right? like they, they no. didn't lose in 2013 they didn't lose in 2017 no, and, um, and they were yeah. all there, and they were all this. They're at their peak, you know. Yeah. I don't know if Smith played for a long time, but I mean, he didn't get better as he got older. He, he just kept going. He was remarkable in his ability to stay excellent for a long time. Smith was great. Thurston was was wonderful at this time. He'd been in a grand final already, you know, and won a Dallium. Um, Slater, as he said, was the best player in the game. Like it's not like and and Lockyer's late career, but I mean, he was. I don't remember him dropping off. He was fantastic the whole way, and it's just. I just guess it's. You know, it's one of those things that the lack of status that it has has meant that people have almost. I think it's just wiped from people's memory. You have to remind yeah. people this happened. Yes, sometimes, you do. and you you're do. like, "Why do you not remember that Australia lost a World Cup final at home?" Um, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> oh, well, I, well, I can tell you. I mean, I I didn't watch a game at the 2013 World Cup, mm. and didn't watch the final of the 2017 World Cup, which was here. Um, I didn't watch the final. Uh, I watched the, um, I watched quite a few of the pool games and that kind of thing when it was a convenient yeah. time. But like missed the final and was okay with missing it. Um, and was and it that, on during the Ashes? It was actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the, we were at the Ashes. We, 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 yeah. We, yeah, we watched the yeah. semi-final in Brisbane. Yeah, we yeah. yeah. But the final, yeah. I, I just was doing something else. I just didn't imagine putting it. it on during the Ashes just for the, like. I mean, that's I just. Know. That that's the thing. How low the status is. So putting another sporting event in Australia on at the same time. But that's a mark. Like, like, like you, yeah. like you and I, you know, um, were like you and I uh, were in Brisbane for that and didn't go. Yeah, know? like that yeah. match was on yeah. in the semi final against Fiji that Australia played. Yeah, uh, was on in Brisbane and we we didn't go to it, um, even though we were there. It just doesn't for some reason. It's just never. Mm. never caught and like it would be great if it changed like if that was an additional competition if you got to the end of the, the nrl season oh great we've got well these test matches that are going to be really competitive and like mm. we've got this world cup that four or five or six different teams could win and there are going to be really close white knuckle finishes in the from the quarterfinals up 
great. Like I'm, nobody wants yeah. less competitive football. Um, that, but it just, yeah, that's probably my I, something I'd like to finish on is just that my, this might be my cautionary tale. Um, is that I think I think we are at the pivotal moment in the history of of it right now, and yep. I say that because my worry, and it's a big worry, and uh, my worry is that older white males are about to end this for us. Mm-hmm. And without picking on groups, there is a lot of older men who keep saying, "You can't. You, if you play Origin, you have to play for Australia." Yeah. Um, we've just had one of the best origin deciders ever filled with people who are going to go play for Samoa and Tonga. So like, to me, you lose that credence of the argument a little bit low. We just had such a great competitive origin series with one of the best games of all time under these get, rules. I didn't get the sense that any of the, I didn't get the sense that any of the Samoan lads playing for New South Wales no. didn't need it. No. Well, in terms of, yeah. And people, and people keep, you know, like, unfortunately forgotten that when it got really hammered that New South Wales don't care for doing that, Papali and some of the Queenslanders have done the same thing after yeah, they just announced exactly it later. Like, but they're, 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 we had this great origin series under these current rules. Um, people get stuck on the idea that if you play for Samoa, it's expanding the game, expanding the origin rules to let them in. But you actually are only eligible to play if you are, were born here and meet the rules. And there's two worrying components to it. Is there is just this old school pushback now saying they want them to play for Australia. That's so backwards because yeah. we, we want the best players in the origin series to make it competitive. They have to be from the state, don't get me wrong, but we want all the best players that should be eligible to play. Um, and we also want international football to be competitive and we're in a unique position as a sport that's not like other sports where um, all the best players do live here, nearly, yeah. apart from New yeah. Zealand. Uh, n- n- all the best players do live here, but they come from a lot of co- different cultural backgrounds and we have the ability to celebrate that and move it forward. And my big worry on the back that there is this older white male push now to, to basically force them to play for Australia. And I think if Australia don't win this World Cup, I have a real feeling that Paul Kent's of the world are going to make this such an issue that we don't, that what will happen is by the next World Cup, they'll all have to be, they'll all be forced to play for Australia. And you can say they're not being, they can choose to play for their nation, but you're. But all of a sudden you're giving up. If you do that, you're giving giving up up a lot. You're giving up the payment that you get for playing State of Origin, but also the prestige. You're getting missing, giving up the opportunity to play in the best football. Yeah, in the the competitiveness, right? Competitiveness of playing in the big games, like yeah, yeah. like if you're you've all these blokes, like if you're Luai and Toto and these guys, and you know Papali's, you want to test yourself in those games, right? And Suwali, like one playing for Samoa, like he's going to want to play Origin because it's hard. Like Burgess and Graham and all that were always jealous they couldn't play and they shouldn't be allowed to, but they look at that contest and they want to test themselves yes. in it because it's a big deal and everyone's watching and it's pressure. So these guys that are eligible, if you're forcing them to walk from thirty to forty thousand dollars a game for starters, and to be and and they probably feel it like like say Luai and Todd, they're from Western Sydney, they're from New yeah. South Wales. Well, they play like, like they, they you say, yeah, yeah, they play like, like they, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. They, weren't, they didn't look like they were phoning it into me. No, right? like, no, no, they, no, it is and, possible to care about the fate yeah. of New South Wales and Samoa. Yeah, and but, but Papali or Papali is um, I, he put as much in for anyone as Queensland, and yeah. there's no sense that he doesn't. You know, want he can want Queensland to win and want to play for his country of, of heritage and. We, it's just I would hate to see, and my big worry is that what's going to happen is we're going to get, 
you play Origin, you play for Australia as a pushback to this yeah. World Cup going well. Because and what the, the game has sorry, to go. do, no, sorry, the game has to stare that down and say this was great and we have to actually allow that to build. Um, you have to let it build and you have to acknowledge that it's just not the 1980s. People aren't just born here or born there. There is people, It's a very, the whole world is interconnected and multi-cultural sort of and there'll be people in Western Sydney that grow up wanting to play for Australia or wanting to play for Samoa. And if they want to play, grow up playing for Samoa, that is how we grow the game because Australia gets to play against someone. And that's what I want to say. I'd love to care about Australia losing the World Cup in a negative way, like to be excited and push for them to win because it's hard. And, you know, when it gets like that, I'll support Australia really hard. And I probably never have. Like I go, you know, whatever they'll win. And I like seeing them lose. I will support them really hard. If there comes a, wouldn't it be good for 10 years for them to never beat Samoa or New Zealand, and then we get, got one up on them, and you'd be excited about it, like when we won the Origin. Well, back think about New South Wales. It'd be great. Thing, yeah, that, that eight in a row. Yeah, was actually in a funny way the best thing that ever happened to Origin because every every series became, oh, is this the one that they're going to break yeah. the streak? And New South Wales became New South Wales people became really invested in it. Yeah, um, and as soon as New South Wales started winning again, the, all the fizz went out of it for a while. Um, but it's, I'd love right. to see that happen. You can't. They can't. They cannot allow. The dumb small-mindedness of Australia has to win the World Cup, yeah, to overtake the good of the sport. And no. what it it, do, it just doesn't matter enough. And 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 the other thing is, if Australia keeps winning the World Cup and keeps strolling through it and winning in processions, guess what? There won't be a World Cup. There won't no. be in the, like this. World, let me tell you something. This World Cup. This was the first one for eight years. Um, if Australia had come out and won this fifty nil, there might not have been another one. No, because there's no. a gap here. Yeah, there's a gap of 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 seven or eight years between this game and Taumalolo going to play for Tonga. Yeah, and in that gap, there is very little clamour for internationals. There's that one pokey game in the middle of the season. Yeah, uh, and there is every chance that if this hadn't happened and New Zealand hadn't been able to win this game, there may not have been another World Cup. Absolutely, it's a big chance, and I just hope, I really hope, we don't miss that moment because you just, it's not that complicated to understand you're born in new south wales you're born in queensland or you live there for the certain amount of time that the rules allow you play for them but if you are eligible to play for multiple countries there is no reason to arm twist them into playing for australia it's not a selection trial for the australian team there is no firstly even in our lifetime the test was played before origin three quarters of the time the trans tasman test was played around anzac day and you know the weeks leading in or out and there is now no test for at the very least four months after state of origins at the end of the season. So I, I have a real problem. It's with not the... it's not a selection. This is that is the New South Wales and Queensland comps, best teams playing each other in the nineteen sixties, was an Australian selection game. This it is not. It is a tournament they play in the middle of the year to make money and to be less cynical because people like it. Like people from New South yeah. Wales and Queensland duel out and like to see who wins and it makes lots of money so you'll never get rid of it and that's fine. But if they're from New South Wales or Queensland, you let them play in that. It's you only have to look at the Australian teams to tell it's not in it. It's I can't. I can't. What I can't stand <laughs> is the is is the 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 mean small mindedness mm. of trying to enforce really one sided dominance. Yes. Yes. You know, like to, what, 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 like anyone. I can't understand the mindset of someone who would say, "No, no, no. What I want, what I'm going to push for, is for Australia to have every advantage." And steamroll everybody else. Like, yeah. why, why is that good for anyone? Yeah. Well, the, the Luai one's a great example. Luai wouldn't be in the Australian team. Exactly. So they're saying play for New, you have to play for New South Wales and then be a reserve, not even in the squad for Australia in case they why, want. Why you. is that good? Like, what? Yeah. What, I, I just 
Like, I oh, can't... she shouldn't be allowed to elect not to be eligible for Australia. And it's gone, well, he, he, you probably weren't even going to pick him. So what, what does it matter? And the ones you would pick, it's like, does it, how good, he's a challenge. Like, Mal, he's your challenge. This World Cup's a challenge. They've got some weak players in that Australian yeah. team. They've got some good ones, got some weak ones. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to watch a lot of those games. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I just hope they don't miss their moment. That's my final, yeah. final word. No, I agree. Uh, this is, this is, it is a real opportunity for rugby league to have something that it hasn't had for a long time. Um, probably something that it hasn't ever had, um, but not, certainly not to this extent anyway. Uh, and you're right. Um, they, they have to, they have to seize the opportunity that, that fell in their lap, really. Nobody, nobody in the, no. involved in international rugby league, nobody involved in the NRL, any of this, but nobody did anything to afford us this moment. Mm. Uh, it was exclu- it was, it was done by, Pacifica players who wanted to go and play for their home countries, and now mm. that they've done it. Don't make it too. Don't make it hard for them. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Gazzy. It's been a pleasure going through this game with you. Uh, we look forward to the World Cup. Here's hoping for a Samoa versus Tonga final. And uh, <laughs> until next time on the Rugby League Cemetery, it's goodbye from us.